Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 81 of Legends of Greyskull, the fan podcast where we discuss... The ma- history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Comics, Mini-Comics, anything you can think of about He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo, down in the corner. I'm Matthew. Here again with Sean Scavarna. Happy New Year, Sean. Happy New Year, Matt. It, we uh, we just witnessed what happens when you take a little time off for the holidays. It's been Kick way too rust. long. <laughs> way too long. <laughs> oh. uh. It has been. It, is, it has been a minute. Our last episode was our Christmas episode. We did the week before. And yeah, uh, yeah. and now, now we're about halfway through January already, so... Uh, lots of stuff uh, happening, but uh, but before we get to all that, uh, what's up with you, Sean? What's new? Yeah. What's exciting? Well, uh, I know for you, when we started recording, you're like, wait a minute, something looks different in this image. It does. And, uh, so yeah, it was really it was it was the first really awesome Christmas I had since I was a kid. Probably, uh, I ended up getting spoiled, and I ended up with. A new iPhone <coughs> and nice. a new iPad. So now I can be like all the other big kids and use Procreate and Draw and use it for podcasting. I love so it. I can't I really complain. <laughs> yes, first thing I noticed was Sean does not have the black bars on the side from the from the I'm not in jail. widescreen camera. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty crazy. So now the the one problem I have is I have to rethink how I record down here because this was a makeshift setup today. Now yep, I have yep. to rethink it. But you know what? Hey, that's <clears> a better <throat> problem to have than I don't have anything at all. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Oh, how, how was your holiday? It was good. Real busy. Uh, we do a lot of stuff with the kids, you know, for the kids. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, did, I did get a few, a couple things. Um, my kids did get me the, the world's smallest micro figure they can't make up their mind what they're going to be called um of the he-man so he's that's cool people. yeah it's a fun mm-hmm. little thing it's another one of those things like the pops in that where i would not necessarily get it myself but it's it's fun stuff for the kids yeah to be like, oh yeah like dad likes he-man so uh that's fun and uh i don't know oh i guess it is resealable i was worried about that i hadn't opened him up yet because I wasn't sure, but this is actually uh, the first time I've had one of these in hand, and uh, this this is, I, I don't know if you've ever seen these even in person. I know I've mm-hmm. seen, I think I've seen the Battle Cat on store shelves, but I didn't realize that this is actually a hard uh, plastic card back. It's not, okay. I thought it was just cardboard, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, it's so small, the camera can't even see it. And then in the back, it's got actually a little door. Um, yeah, so collector friendly all around. That's really cool. Absolutely. And then there's uh, the accessories. I need to put a, a oh macro my lens on this. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Uh, but it does have the battle axe, <laughs> the sword, and the shield. Oh, 
Nice. And, and, a, and a stand. Yeah. Yeah. That would that would I, I think that would pair well with some of the mega constructs possibly. <laughs> God, these seem even I guess I should have brought a mega constructs in here. Come on. Look at you, man. There it is. So the three points, the arms was it arms and waist? The legs don't move. Nope, legs are legs are static. Okay. Yep, arms That's... waist and head. So <laughs> arms, waist and head. Yeah. That's the He-Man figure I can get behind so I don't have it shelf diving constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I love you classics, but you drive me nuts that way. Anyway, no, that's that's actually pretty fun, yeah, he, though. He still doesn't stand up without the stand. You can't see it. But... Well, all right. Yeah, he needs a stand. But at least he has a stand. And it's clear, so it doesn't look too you know, right, like right. crazy or whatever. Which is the nice. thing that kills me about these is, is the armor. Like, they went for the separate armor piece, and it just makes it look so, uh... It's like he's swimming in it. So bulky, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna focus in on him. But yeah. But they're fun little things. Uh, and then my mom actually sent me the, uh, Terror Claws Skeletor Pop, <laughs> which has a really nice metallic sheen all over it, and that nice. shirt that you love. Um, oh, I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there for for size comparison, most people know what the size of pop is. So yeah, you're talking like it's, the size of the terror claw itself. Like it's one of it's them. like a quarter of the pop, like yeah. height wise, it's like at least one quarter. That's crazy. Um, and then she also sent me the He Man ornament that was at nice. Walmart this year. So. Fun yeah, actually, and stuff. Uh, before before Christmas, my mom came over and she always, every year, will get at least 10 Hallmark ornaments, mostly for the kids. Right, but right. then there'll be like one or two for me in there and maybe one or two for my wife. She got me the Castle Grayskull one this year. And I am amazed at how much uh, detail went into that. Yeah, that's that's a fun one. I That one I would have picked up if I'd seen it anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. like I said the He-Man and the Skeletor didn't do too much for me. Um, they're like I said, they're fun to get as gifts, but I felt that they, I don't know, filmation in 3D form always seems off to me. And I felt that we've talked about this. I felt that way since the classics figures. You know, mm -hmm. um, like even even this guy, the face looks weird. Like I don't know, like no one, even the even the great horsemen have not been able to get the filmation likeness like perfect for me um but yeah, yeah that gray skull though that that would have been uh in my cart if i found it anywhere. oh it was it was a nice surprise i opened it up and there it is and then honestly like when you see the photos of it it doesn't do much for me that way like i i'd seen it a lot mm -hmm. of people online showing it off before the holidays I was like, eh, all right, Castle Grayskull. Yeah. But once I got it and I took it out of the box, <clears throat> I was just marveling at it from all the angles and the fact that it had the the spine with yes. the spikes coming out, like in the cartoon. I'm like, they really put some effort into this. It wasn't yeah. just, a, hey, let's just give you the bare bones. <clears throat> no, they like legit 3D filmation yeah. Castle Grayskull, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and that's and that's what was tempting for me because most everything when it goes Castle Grayskull it goes vintage playset which I get but mm -hmm. yeah those little touches where you know you try and make the teeth on the the around the jaw bridge a little more elongated 
And, you know, the spine, like, that always gets me. You know, yeah. same as I always wanted to get that Icon Heroes statue. Because mm-hmm. I felt that was pretty much, like, like that was the closest we were going to get in 3D form to a filmation gray skull. Sure. Um, that never panned out. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, you know me, I'm a sucker for my filmation, so. <laughs> well, it, it, that actually visually is one of the best details about the show for me is when you see how Grayskull looks from, you know, a, a side and all that, you know that's attached to the back and everything. And then, right. like, on top of that, the stories of what that meant for Grayskull to be created in Eternia based on the filmation right. idea like that is cool. Like I'm not, I'm not completely filmation like, like, uh, like you are, but I'm also like, no, those little, those little bits to the story. Definitely. They're solid for me. I really like it. So yeah, definitely a really cool little, it's like nothing says Christmas, like a big that, skull face on your tree. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> and um, and harken back to my first Christmas when I got castle gray skull that the first I remember, Right. As a kid. So it made me feel like a kid again to put that on the tree this year. Uh, jumping back mm. to world's smallest He-Man right quick. Um, oh. And I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to get this to show up. But, so, like I said, he's got he's got the Power Sword. Mm-hmm. He's got the Battle Axe. Mm-hmm. He's got the Shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he also has, and I didn't even see this until it actually just fell out of the pouch on accident. But he's got a little boot dagger. Oh my god, he's got the boot dagger? Yes, and I, I doubt I'll be able to get there. Oh, I got it. There it is. Perfect. So, just to put You're that in. You're tweezers just, just to put, to put that, that, in that into boot. perspective here, if I can get either of these to lock <laughs> in. There is the power sword. Yeah. And there is the boot dagger, that little glint of silver that you might be able to see. That oh. that is it, it, it looks like a, <laughs> it looks like you got a splinter. <laughs> I, honestly, I thought it was a staple. I thought it was mm-hmm. like the this like the bag was stapled and it came out on mm-hmm. its own when it fell out. That's what mm-hmm. I thought it was. I gotta mm-hmm. get a picture of this. I'll be putting this up uh, on the Facebook group and everything. I'm going to send it over to Sean right quick here just so he can actually get a decent look at it. I cannot believe they did the boot dagger. That is insane. Uh, the fact that they went there is awesome. I actually it's, looked in the boot to see if he could actually, if there was a spot, but there is not a spot in the boot for it, unfortunately. But it is there. I can see why you would think that's like a staple or something. Right? Boy, everything else, uh, that's that's the one piece where I would look at it and I'd probably throw it away and not even realize what I was throwing away. <laughs> With not, not only the size, but it really does, like that one's the only one that the mold didn't hold up as well to make it look completely like, like you can tell what it is if you look at it long enough. Yeah. But even I would have been like, no, that's a staple. <laughs> yeah, and it's got and it's the brighter silver instead of the darker gray like the axe and the shield, so Yeah. Ugh. Good times. Oh ah, I'm losing everything. <laughs> ah, so what about what about the kids? Kids have a good uh Christmas? Anything oh, yeah. masters kids, related? 
Uh, honestly, not too much. Hayden and I went over to the Walmart that time and he was looking at things, but that was a little too late in the game because we already had a lot of that stuff locked in. So I I can tell you though, um, over the Christmas break, he (laughs) wanted to watch more of the CGI He-Man Yes, and, and, uh, Evan came out while we were watching. He loves the last episode. He's absolutely in love with. He wants to see the part where they come through the portal and they're 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 like diving yeah, to yeah, the battleships. Yeah. It's like that's one of my favorite parts too. But I love that it it resonates with him. And um, Evan comes out while we're watching. She goes, "I really wish they'd get a second season on soon." And Hayden's like, "Yeah, I need more He Man." And I'm like, "You and you and me three at this point because I'm I'm ready. So hopefully we'll get something soon." Letting us know when that's going to air for the second season. Oh, I know, right? I, it, it I'm, seems, I'm voracious it's been way on too this long. one. It's been yeah. way too long. Um, I did pick up the other day. Uh, we did have the... Oh, you got Orko. I got Orko. <laughs> um, I love it. Interestingly enough, they don't spell it the O-R-K dash zero. Like we saw in the book and everything. Hmm. But I'm t- these figures are great. They're cheap. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, dollar wise, they're cheap. They're ten bucks. You know, nine ninety eight, yep. ten twenty eight. Looks like they're going through a price increase, but but they they have they have individual card art. I mean, they're big, bulky figures. Um, I'm gonna rip Oko. Oko. Yeah, he's like, one that I really. If I saw him, I grab him the second I see him because I really enjoy that design. This is actually the first time I've opened up a single figure. Um, my, I got my boys the bikes of He-Man and Skeletor for mm-hmm. Christmas, and then I also how they like them. They love them. They're, they're yeah. playing with them like crazy. Um, I did get my son Trapjaw as well, but he opened him on his own. Um, mm-hmm. But so behind the card back, they got the Grayskull symbol with lightning emanating from it. I mean, these are just. It's so vintage inspired to me, but not mm-hmm. just a carbon copy. And mm-hmm. that, that's what makes them great for me. Um, Orko's a big, figure. Again, probably too big technically for Urko, but they should almost always do this for the figure. Um, I like the exhaust coming out here. And I yeah. see if I can get it to focus in, but there's a nice texture to mm-hmm. his rope. There it goes. Yeah. There's a nice texture to his robes. I like that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, he's got his scarf. Um, it's really a great looking figure. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm battling a little bit of a winter cold. So, um, But yeah, we have the head. Uh, we got arms. And we got, I guess you could call it waist. Um, he rotates around his exhaust. And actually, that's how his... Um, his power attack works. He's got the the blast here. Um, That's cool. Basically, it's a pullback and launch. Yep. <laughs> he throws a spell at you. Did I show like the it. podcast? No, I didn't. There. <laughs> There it goes. Nice, nice. Yeah, basically the power punch, but he's got that spell that goes over. Uh, and then his hands or his fingers do rotate here. 
It looks like it should go kind of at the elbow there, um, but it's not easy, so I don't want to mess with it too much right now. Oh, and he's actually got he's got a little ball bearing or a little ball on the bottom there, so he you so can he can actually, wheel around. <laughs> so you can actually wheel him around. There. That's cool. So. Well, reminiscent to what we grew up with, a little bit mm-hmm. of, of modern. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why these guys, I'm loving this stuff. They're such great mm-hmm. uh, honoring the past while upgrading to something new. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I also picked up uh, the Sorceress uh, team. Nice. I'll open her another time. I don't want to do the whole show uh, like that. But, but yeah, they're just, they're fun figures. They're 10-ish dollars. But they're cheap-costing figures, but they're very well-made. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm i really digging them. My kids love them. Like I said, they got the bikes with He-Man and Skeletor, and they've been playing with them a ton. They just they, 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 they just feel good. They feel good in your hand. You know, everyone talks about how Master should be that bulky, played-with figure. That's how they feel to me. Uh, but mm-hmm. my only gripe about Orko is the fact that he's got that constant winking face. For some reason, when I first saw this revealed, I thought that was a lenticular sticker. Where we, That know, would have been cool. Right, and that way you could have, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, a wink, you know, normal, wink, normal. Yeah. Like, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they didn't go there. <coughs> Excuse me. Or if they weren't going to go there, I would have preferred them to just go with his regular eyes. But that's sure. Just me. <clears throat> Come on, Sean. We're breaking the rules of podcast. We can't both take drinks at once. Hey, hey, you're. I, I'm getting uh, sympathy, sympathy tickling throat already. Just hearing you, so I needed to make sure I wasn't going to be the next one. No, I, I like that figure quite a lot. And out of out of all the master, or yeah, not masterverse. Out of all the CGI masters figures. Uh, Orko and Trapjaw actually were like the top two. If I yeah. find those, I was going to grab them. Um, and I, the only one I've seen on the pegs locally is He-Man. Like you said, yeah. uh, recently, you know, he's the peg warmer of the group just because they have so many <coughs> of him and Skeletor out there. But, yeah, but I've the, never seen any of the other ones. Yeah, and he, they, uh, or at least at my Walmarts, and that's the only place I've seen this line so far is Walmart. Um, they're at least moving. Like, I can tell that they're moving through. He-Man lasts the longest, but mm-hmm. he is moving. They've gone times where they've been sold out, and they've restocked, you know. We're getting Orko and the Sorceress already. We've seen... The only one I haven't never seen is the single-carded Man-at-Arms. That's the only one mm-hmm. that I have never seen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trapjaw, just his overall design. <laughs> and I know... Um, there is a reference to the show on the uh, Masterverse packaging. I think it's actually in the glyphs in the background on the top of the card or on the top of the box. So it led us to think there's a chance that we might see the uh, CGI ones in, in that form at some point too. And depending how they're done. Yeah. Like I I'd end up being all in for those because I do like a lot of those designs and trap jaw in particular would be like a must have if they made them like a six inch or a seven inch figure instead of being, you know, the, the 
the vintage style version. Yeah, I could have swear there were glyphs. I mean, there's, like the there's skull glyphs all there. over this thing. I'm not seeing like that specific one necessarily, but <clears throat> like there's lots of stuff that could be like it's similar to that grayscale symbol. Yeah, there's like parts where it looks like kind of that the, the bottom of the sword there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's definitely what this is kind of meant to be on the top of this here, it seems. So, you know, there's little bits that are kind of reminiscent of She-Ra and, you know, and we saw it in the PowerCon reveal that, uh, you know, they are planning to do all the different ones. One of, the, one of those mock-up boxes had the the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe that's I'm, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's coming. They had the Shira want Princess of Power. They had the, the CGI, um, and then that new Eternia, which is coming out in the next wave. So, mm-hmm. lots of goodness. Lots. Of, just lots of stuff coming out. My God. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> Honestly, anything it's it's almost a little overwhelming at times when you really stop to think how much is coming out right now. I mean, we got Masterverse, we got CGI, we got Origins, we've got Mega Constructs, you know, and then on top of that, you know, we're we're both falling deeper into our Legion's addiction. We got mm-hmm. Turtles coming out. <laughs> I mean. I know mm-hmm. you. You said you've dabbled a little bit into some other stuff recently outside of masters. Yeah, um, yeah I'm an unfaithful husband that way. Yeah. I'm horrible. <laughs> so what? So for me, for me lately, it's been it's been obviously masterverse, um, and the CGI stuff I'm picking up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm getting, well, I think I'm pretty much done with my Super 7 Turtles now. I've got Bebop, Rocksteady, Baxter, and the four Turtles. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm good with that. Um, there's probably some characters that could tempt me, but nothing that's been revealed right now. Um, and then of course, Mythic Legions, uh, I'm picking up here and there. Uh, what about you? What have, what have you been getting outside of the Masters world? Well, uh, <laughs> I have one more of the, uh, the the Ultimates Turtles that's coming in for pre-order. Uh, I had to get Ray Filet. That one, when I was a kid, he was one of my absolute favorites, and I was so happy he's in the latest, sure. the next wave that will be coming out. Um, and then uh, I want to say it was what a, about a year ago, uh, off-world uh, guest star that, that shoots up every now and then, Jesse. He yep. he got me started into watching The Mandalorian with him. <clears throat> right. And then that went down the slippery slope of, well, now I'm watching Book of Boba Fett, I'm rewatching Mandalorian, and I started getting a few of the Black Series figures like The Mandalorian, and I, I always like, like Boba Fett, so I had to get a Boba Fett or two, depending on which ver- version it was. And... Um, I actually got really annoyed the other day because there's pre-orders for Storm Shadow, and he's the traditional Storm Shadow. And that was the one that I was hoping they would have released when the G.I. Joe Classified line started, and here he is coming out now. Like, 
if I remember right, my GameStop pre-order said it was supposed to be out on February 1st. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, great. And then on top of that, um, there's, there's always a few like Zartan. I always think Zartan's great. So I'm like, I'm going back and recollecting some of that because I did let that series go. And now I'm like, well, if I got Storm Shadow and Zartan, I got to get a Cobra Commander. And then I got to get a, and then it just goes down that rabbit hole. And also still obviously Mythic Legions on top of all that stuff. And I'm doing my best not to go too crazy on any of the other things. And Mythics is where I still want to focus. But like the pre-order for the Poxis thing just ended over the weekend. I did that. And now it's like, okay, I, I like having a little fun on the side with some of these things. And I'm just looking around going, this is nuts. Like I, I redid my shelves just over the weekend going like, I got to figure out how to put these new things on here. Otherwise they're just laying around. Yeah. So, <laughs> tough, tough. And then, you know, for me, I don't have that great display space that you have. And, but I also know like, Hey, if I don't get this now, then I'm chasing down the aftermarket, you know. Exactly. So it, it, it's a tough spot to be in. I will say, I don't know about you, but for me, like the one of the biggest things is nowadays is the scale. Because for a long time, I was able to just be like, basically, that's not my scale. You mm-hmm. know, that's three and three quarter, that's five inch, yep. that's, you know. You know, once classics came out, I was pretty much like, no, six inch is my scale. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it is the best scale. You get, you know, they're a good size to where you can see the details. They're fun to hold. They're, but they're not too big, like 12 inch, you know, where then you're, you're going, well, now where do I put all these guys? You know, exactly. It's kind of the, it's the upper limit. You know, vehicles and playsets are a little hard because they're massive, but it's also fun because they're massive. You know, mm-hmm. but like that was my biggest thing. I'm like, okay, I'm in classics and nothing mm-hmm. else was scaling the classics. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. Now everything mm-hmm. is. So now I'm like, yeah, all right, those turtles fit right in. It looks great. And that has made it so much harder for me that everything that everyone's pretty much gone to six inch. Um, and I know, like the horsemen said, when they were starting Mythic Legions, they originally envisioned as three and three quarter. But mm-hmm. then they realize that it's like pretty much negligible in cost to make a six inch line versus a three and three quarter line. And mm-hmm. I assume that's why all the companies are going there. You know, it's not the savings it once was to make three and three quarter. And mm-hmm. to me, the people who are still doing it are doing it because, you know, like Star Wars, like they have to have a three and three quarter line. They embody three and three quarter. Sure. Yeah. There's a nostalgia to that because, like, I had when I was a kid, I had Star Wars and GI Joes, mm-hmm. and you know those worked nicely. And then you had your He-Man figures being, you know, yep. about two inches bigger than that, basically. And I mean, uh, the line that I absolutely hated as a kid because of the scale issues was Thundercats. Yep. Like, why the hell is Lionel <clears throat> like the giant, and then everybody else is like coming up to his shoulder? You know, it made no sense, and they had the weirdness of the scaling there. But yeah, like that is a problem with, you know, trying to say, I don't want this or whatever. Number one, uh, everybody having that uniform, it's close to the the size you want it to be. 
or like uh, I know in the case of uh, like the GI Joe classified and Ghostbusters line that Hasbro is doing, yeah. Ghostbusters I think is a little shorter, but it's like, but those are Ghostbusters. You really gonna mix them with GI Joe? You know, it's like Ghostbusters can be over there. GI Joe can do its own thing. You yeah. know, um, but it is fun to have everything in those sizes because it, it really helps you to appreciate like the detail the sculptors are putting into this, it helps you to appreciate the articulation you're getting now. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I I've been looking at the masters figures, the classics one in particular, and from a sculpt perspective, yeah, those things are still my favorite version of masters. I don't have a Mondo figure to compare it to. That would be maybe like the next level up because of them doing something a little different and more details and all that. But they still like they look amazing, but it is kind of funny when you look at it now. There is a certain amount of, but from a customizing standpoint, they're not as friendly as a Mythic Legions or as a this or as a that because now the companies have gotten more and more used to seeing. Oh, collectors yeah. also want to do this with our figures, so they're going to buy more if we accommodate that. So I find that to be really funny too, but. No, the scale, like everything being almost the same scale is killing me because yes. the nostalgia. And on top of that, like that's what I always wanted when I was a kid. Um, it, I know how many people love Origins. I know, I've, I've seen it all over the place. But, you know, it's like Classics is the one that does it for me because of the details. Yep. I, I have yet to see an <laughs> Origins figure and see the details matching anything the Horseman used to do. Oh, no. It's just that simple. That's, not, that's not what that line is. You know, no, no. Oh, it's tough right now. It is absolutely <laughs> tough. It there's is. Just, there's so much coming out all at once. You can't miss it. Ah, my poor wallet. <laughs> well, uh, that's the thing. Like uh, going back to the the Poxis thing real quick. I mean, I I could not afford an all in. So yeah. I, at the end of the day, was like, okay, what is the most important things about this line that I need, or this wave that I need? And I was shocked that I ended up only leaving with three figures. Yeah. But I'm happy with those selections. I'm like, no, those are the core ones. If I got those, I'm completely thrilled. You know, And the rest of them, maybe I'll try to find, you know, I know they're going to be a little more marked up, but I'm not going to need as many of the other ones. And right. I, I didn't have the money readily available as much as I was hoping for them. That was a problem with me too. I just, I could not, I just never got, and I know, don't get me wrong, the four, they gave us plenty of time, just me personally, stuff that came up during that time. Sure. Like, I just could not get the money together. So I actually didn't get anything from. Oh, Batman. okay. Yeah. Um, there are a few that I'm going to, I mean, I, like you said, I'll pick them up here from some of the secondary retailers. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys have the, you know, you don't have to put the money down up front, which, yeah, at this point, you're paying a premium for it. Yes, I'm going to mm-hmm. pay more, but I just did not have the money. So, sure. Um, but out of curiosity, who are your three? Um, I got the two pack with Poxus and the horse because that was just a gimme at that point. And the yeah. fact that you saved some money on doing the two pack. And I got the Azza Zazahar figure. Yeah, that one. Zazagabor. Yeah, the Zazagabor. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that those two figures yeah. were the ones that made me really take notice of that line when I first discovered it. And 
I still want uh, Azahar. So it's like, yep. okay, if they throw him out on All-Star and oh, I he's have got that. He's got to win Zazar, All-Stars this time. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Or I'm yeah, I'm hoping too. Uh, <laughs> I'll wait it out for All-Star 6 if it doesn't hit All-Star 5. Let's put it that way. Right. So, <laughs> so those were your three? The horse, Those uh, were the three, the the horse, Poxus, and and him, and then uh, even the dragon. I was like, the dragon, was the dragon, my, and I'm like, my other, the, yeah, the dragonborn, the as 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 are, and uh, mm-hmm. Poxus would have been my three. Um, mm-hmm. I just count the horse as a gimme, but yeah. Yeah, the, I don't know what it is. Those wizards, they look great, but they also don't do it for me. I guess if all... I, well, you know, I've always had a problem with the, the human characters. Yeah, you're not you're not as big of a fan of them. So. Um, outside of that, probably the genie, the djinn, would have probably been the one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I, I like the... Um, I like the... I, what would you call her? A sorceress, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, Wraith, uh, what's her name? I can't think yeah. of it off the top of my head now. But I, 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 like, she's one that I'm actually gonna gonna like throw my rule of don't get the female figures from that line out of out, out the window because I really liked her. Um, uh, Thrace, that's her name. Yeah, Thrace. Thrace. And yes. um, and I love the evil wizard because he yeah. really does remind me of that Dungeons and Dragons figure that I had when I was a kid. But yeah, for me, it's like when you throw a whole line that's mostly wizards at me, it's really easy for me to just pick and choose and move on to the next thing because that's not where my heart is when it comes to a lot of this. I'm more into like the Conan barbarian meets, you know, like fighting orcs and goblins and demons and stuff compared to the wizardry and stuff. So, (coughs) excuse me. I completely agreed. There's just. So we got the legions going up. I also want to throw a plug out to uh, Josh Van Pelt and Emiliano Santolucia. They've got their pre-order coming up uh, for yeah. more, more <laughs> toys for Lords of Power. Um, yeah, you can get all the details at formotoys.com. But real quick here, the pre-orders will open January eighteenth at noon Eastern and will close on March sixth, twenty twenty-two. Um, you can get the full set of six, excuse me, uh, each figure includes a part of the divine armor, which is like their build a figure, um, individual. Now this is all, that's right. This is only the set. So starting January 18th, you have to order the whole set. Mm-hmm. Um, starting March 7th, the individual figures will be available from, their network of retailers and distributors around the world. So, Formo Toys will only directly sell the full set individuals you have to pick up from their secondary suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two options. There's the full power set, which gives you those all six figures, plus an early bird kit, which includes a fold-out cardboard castle dragonstone a sheet of 5.5-inch punch-out characters, and a poster by Matt O'Toole. Um, which is fun. It's a little throwback kind of to that old Star Wars early bird kit. Um, mm-hmm. It gets you something. 
And those will start, the early bird kits will ship in May of 2022. Um, the figures should ship last quarter of 2022. So it gives you a little something. It's a little bit more. It's 190, no, 200 plus shipping and handling. Um, but you get a little something in hand right away to play with. And that poster by Matt O'Toole is phenomenal. Um, and then you can also pre-order the regular set without the early bird kit for one seventy nine ninety four plus shipping and handling. Uh, and then if you're a retailer and you're interested in carrying Lords of Power figures, uh, email them at sales at formortoys.com. Uh, amazing looking work. Um, I don't collect 5.5. I don't collect vintage. Those guys are tempting. Uh, they're, they, they, they're really tempting me. Uh, number one, just because of the amazing work by some great members of the community who we love, you know, mm-hmm. who have supported our show, uh, you know, Power and Honor Foundation, send us those awesome books to give away throughout our, our various years here. And, uh, and Emiliano's been on, you know, we did an interview with him. When we were doing around the time we we're doing the Scare Glow and Power of Fear comic, and they're just great, upstanding members of the community. Mm-hmm. Now, what about you, Sean? What do you think about the foremost stuff? I'm exactly in the same boat as you. I am actually <laughs> tempted because I, I I've always been the guy going like I don't need to recapture my childhood. I'm, I want to have something that makes me nostalgic <laughs> or whatever. And this is exactly in those lines for me. And, yeah. and that surprises me how much I'm drawn to it. But the, the sculpts are not just taking a vintage He-Man figure, re- redoing it and just here it is again. Right. When you see it in hand, and if you look at the photos, there's definitely things about them where it's not just a repackage, you know, right. it's very much their own thing, but it's in homage to what we grew up loving and why we're fans. Yeah. So, um, inspired I, by, inspired by, yeah. And, yeah. uh, what was really funny, um, I, I, uh, I did get to talk to, uh, Josh Van Pelt at, uh, Legion's Con. Yep. And I, 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 I flat out asked him, well, how did you get the name of that? Yeah. The Lords, it, of power. It, it, yeah. Lords of Power. And, it, and, and he goes, Mattel never trademarked it. Yep. I'm like, are That's you simple. kidding me? And they he's like, yeah. It. They used they that that they kind of exclusives. Right yeah, and never filed the paperwork, and and they jumped in on it and they got it right out from under Mattel. Like, good for you, like, because that's a name that Masters fans are still going to equate to yep. Masters if you know the history and everything. And uh, he even was saying the same thing, like doing the whole they'll ship the whole set, yep. but then um, when it comes to you know getting single figures, if you want to cherry pick, yeah, go to Big Bad Toy Store, go to you know, these places or whatever, and they'll, they'll hook you up. And I, I'm glad to see you stuck with that. Cause he's like, I'm the only person shipping this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, save yourself the headache. Just get the yeah. boxes out and be done with it. So, and and the, the fact that it's, it's got old and new, it's got that vintage feel, but then they yep. have the build a figure. How cool is that? Like as a kid, right. Well, how cool would it have been to have the first <clears throat> eight back series but then you get a Build-A-Figure along with those figures. So you actually get a ninth figure for the first wave. That would have been amazing. 
probably the so, best thing Hasbro ever came up with. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. Because some of those builder figures, I would have never liked them in the comics, but when you see them in, in reality, I'm like, I'm like, I like Armadillo now. <laughs> He's pretty cool. Agent Venom, of course. It's like, I don't give a crap in, in, in the comics about them, but they look awesome on the shelf. <laughs> well, and, the, and the beauty of getting something, I mean, we talked about scale. I mean, growing mm-hmm. up, how many figures did you get that were, well, in the case of Orko, either either scaled up because they felt they had to hit a certain height or kids would feel chipped, or yeah. a lot of times scaled down. I mean, you get your Colossus figure, and he is, you know, the same height as Wolverine. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, he shouldn't be, but, you know, toy manufactured for a long time felt like, Hey, if we don't fill up this package, kids mm-hmm. aren't going to buy it. Which, yeah. number one, I think is false. You give any kid a smaller Orco, they're going to go, oh, it's Orco. You know, if anything, yeah. the parents were the problems. But but then once they started doing the Build-A-Figure, it's like, all right, this is how we do, you know, MODOK and make him bigger. Or we do, mm-hmm. we do the Rhino, you know, and mm-hmm. really make him a foot taller without without having to go into that deluxe skew or scaling him down, you know, yep. on top of getting those those obscure figures as well. But I think a lot of times it was just like, hey, we can do him right if we do him as a Build-A-Figure, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's a great innovation. I love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I agree. I kind of wish, uh, I, I know they talked about it, but Classics was attempting to go there. And they yeah. never got it off the off the ground, but that would have been kind of fun to see. Get beasts, and they're freaking huge, like a stone warrior, you know, oh, figure yeah. finally or something that he man could just knock. And then the best thing is, he just pull it all apart and have it on the ground, just like on the series. Then why not? Exactly. <laughs> oh, so, who tells? Always behind the eight ball. Like it took him forever, even to get to you know removable heads. I mean, they've always yeah. kind of been trailing behind like oh i don't know let's see if that works out you know for, mm-hmm. for hasbro or whoever first and yeah oh shit collectors really do like you know having a second head on there oh wait if we exactly. do two heads they buy two <laughs> yeah who would have thought right? right i mean we we got it in uh we did get it in classics for a few characters but that was way down the line yeah and then to get some of those like variant <clears throat> heads like good well, you go buy an Ular and you get a vintage-looking He-Man head now instead of the classics version. And it's like, great, yeah, but, thanks. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like, but fans were asking for that since 2000X. Like, and then they're, oh yeah. no, we don't, we don't do that. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's the typical thing. Like my my typical like, you know the. They, they didn't like how 2000X performed, so a lot of what I loved about the Masters of the Universe brand has been pushed to the side, and then they want to go another direction. It's like, it's okay. You know, there are people that are still fighting this, this series out, and they're still going, holy crap, this is great. You know, like, there's people, even to this, like, over the weekend, I saw still, like, Revelation was okay, but 2000X, holy crap, this is a series, and I got all this. It's like, yeah, welcome to... Tw- 2002 again, but I'm glad you like it. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> Says the man but. who didn't watch 2002 until 2008. 
I still got on it, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. You did, buddy. You did. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, last plug I want to do going back even farther than 2002. I do want to give a shout out to the boys at Faking Filmation. Um, they gave everybody a nice Christmas present um, where they set all of their backers up with a Vimeo account and uh, I've never heard of Vimeo. I'm an old man, I guess. But basically what it is, it's for content creators. They can give all their supporters a unique access code. You can access the fake information like Vimeo channel and it's like a private channel and they can upload videos and stuff for us. And what they uploaded on Christmas Eve was the return of Faker. The mm-hmm. filmation-inspired uh, love letter by James Etock and uh, Dusan Mitrovic and plenty of other talented people uh, for everybody to watch. And mm-hmm. I still have not watched it personally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds weird, doesn't it? But mm-hmm. uh, this past, basically since. Well, first off, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day are all about the family. Like, I was not doing anything else besides, you know, enjoying each other, spending time. We went to the in-laws, blah, 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 blah. And since then, literally yesterday was my first day off. And today is January 12th. And now, I've wanted to see Return of Faker ever since James first announced he was working on this. And I have not watched, you know, he released those clips on YouTube before they got taken down and, you know, here and there. I have not watched a single second of those. I have not, you know, listened to anybody who had, like, I have blinders to everything he's done because I've always wanted to sit down and watch it, you know, whole and done and enjoy it. I just haven't found myself in the right headspace to sit down and fully appreciate it. So I have waited. It's been terrible, but I've waited because this is something I don't want. I know, Sean, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, <laughs> but I, I don't want to sit down. Like, I had a shit day at work, and now I'm going to watch Return of Faker. No, I need, like, I need, the, I need the candles done. I need to be in the mm-hmm. right mood. I need the, you know, I need to set the mood. I don't... Yeah. I need don't want to rush yourself into watching Return of Faker. I get it. <laughs> a little bubble bath, a little, a little bubble bath, a little relax. Like, you know, I don't want the kids running around screaming. You know, they're fighting. You know, stuff like like I sure. want to be. I want to be in the moment. You know, mm. you know. So I have not watched it yet, but it is out there for all the support. Have you watched? it? Did you back fake information? I think you did. I, I did. I backed uh, Faking Filmation. and So you got your Vimeo um, code. You got it set I, up, I right? got Yes, I, I, I did the whole thing. And uh, the, the reminder for me was uh, around Christmas, James was sending out his uh, holiday cards yes. to the people in the community. And I'm still amazed I'm on that list. So, again, thank you, James, for even acknowledging that I'm part of this. This is still, like, mind-boggling <laughs> to me. But uh, and it's a, it's such a sweet thing he does every year. I love it. And um, 
it, and and when I I wrote back to him, you know, Mer- I hope you have a Merry Christmas and everything else. And then he was like, "Hey, don't forget to watch Return of Faker." And I'm like, "I have to do that, like it, it did, because, like you said, the holidays and everything." Yeah. So I that's when I did it. Like right after he and I talked, I'm like, "I'm doing it right now." So then that way I can't sit here and go, "Oh, I didn't have time and all that," like like uh, how I normally would be, depending on the situation. And um. I wrote him back after seeing it and um, the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything for, for you, Matt, because I know how you are, but I wrote him back and, and the main thing I wanted to let him know is he wrote possibly my favorite filmation episode of all time. And that's saying something with how hardcore I am about uh, house of Shakoti, even diving of disappearance of some of those that were really like, they were embedded in my brain since childhood he did some stuff in this where I'm just sitting there going, if he, if I would have seen that as a kid, this would have absolutely been my favorite episode of this series. So he pulled that off amazingly along yeah, with his team. And that's what I'm hearing from most people in the community. And again, that's why I didn't want to do it, you know, right after I got done, you know, fighting with my son to take a shower or, you know, yeah. that's, like filmation means so much to me, and I know James nailed this because I've had I had the same conversation with James. Actually, same kind of thing. He sent me the holiday card. I thanked him. We were talking. And he's like, and he's like, I can't believe you haven't watched again. I said the same thing. Like I gotta, I gotta be in the right space. I've got to be able to fully appreciate it. And you know, we've talked in the past before. And one of the things that James does, because I talked to him about numerous different scripts and stories, ideas that he has in the filmation vein. And one of the things, you know, it, it kind of comes back to what's going on here. And I know we, you know, kind of what's going on in the current era of Masters of the Universe. He remembers that. Not everything has to be like shock and awe. Like the majority of filmation is just adventure stories, you know, and that's what we love about them. You don't have to have everything, and we've talked about it on the show. Same same kind of idea. Not everything has to be end of the universe, end of creation, end of this, end of that. Something secret comes out. Like James has a up up plethora of story ideas and all of them are just kind of like I mean they sound simple but that's what you got to do especially when emulating filmation you got to keep it simple it's mm-hmm. a, it's an A to B adventure mm-hmm. this happens that happens you know and I think some of our most memorable episodes are like that you know House of Shakoti you know the secret didn't come out mm-hmm. you know nobody died nothing like you know, at the end of the episode, you know, peace is restored. You know, they stop her. Like, everything's good. We grow a little bit. Like, I think that's lost a lot nowadays. Don't get me wrong. I've liked a lot of what's come out. But I think the simplicity is getting lost. Like, everybody feels like everything has to be endgame. Everything has to be civil war. Nothing will ever be the same. Yeah. It's like, can it be? Can it be well, just for a little bit longer? <laughs> I, I I agree with you, but then at the same time, there is a part of me look, thinking about this going, 
the episodes of filmation that stuck out and mattered the most to me were usually the ones that had a twist on what we already had established. And um, like House of Shakoti didn't even involve Skeletor, but right. it involved a darker evil than Skeletor oh, ever yeah. would bring to the table. And that's why that resonated with me so much. It's like, he's getting to go up against somebody that it's not Skeletor. And this person could pull this off. You know, yeah. Shakoti could do this. Uh, and, the, and the stakes were high. Don't get me wrong. The stakes were high. Exactly. But I guess it's, then, the, it's the point of everybody feels like they have to go, well, pardon the pun, but they have to go where there's no way home. You know? No. Like, yeah, yeah. You have to go as far as you can. Like, there's no coming back from this one. You know? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I liked about Filmation is like, there always was a way back. We could always come up with a way. We could work together. We could defeat this. We could, you know? Mm hmm. Well, I mean, speaking of that, like Evil Seed always resonated with me because holy right. crap, we got to team up with He-Man and Skeletor to fight a bigger evil. That's the, that yep. was my thing as a kid. It was always there's a bigger problem and gathering the forces together to confront <laughs> that, which is part of why the Evil Horde was an interesting concept to me as a kid. Exactly. Because, you know, the Evil Horde to me was like, okay, Skeletor's afraid of these guys. That's saying something, you know, right. and um, the, the, the thing about Return of Faker that would have resonated with me as a kid, number one is the fact, yes, they bring in Faker. Yeah. They don't just go, here's He-Man with glowing eyes and expect you to just go, that's Faker now, like Filmation did. They went legit Faker. But they do some twists and turns with that story where you're going, oh, like if I would have seen this as a kid, I would have been grinning from ear to ear over right. that because... Some of these things that they bring in, which I was surprised at one of the cameos they do. I was just like, that's just cool. And it's like, it's James. It's pure James doing that. I knew it was him. But I absolutely loved that there was a reference to some of these things. Or I absolutely loved that it wasn't a everything is going to be changed and nothing will ever be the same. But when you see these moments that he put into it, you're like... But this would have been so memorable because it's doing something that no other episodes were allowed to do at that point. Right. So that's that's part of it. get that bubble bath going, get that <laughs> get that glass or bottle of wine going because you need to watch this and we need to do a review of it sometime. Yeah, uh, I know I do. Just as a you know fan perspective of it because. I'm actually chosen to talk about this with you at this point. <laughs> I know, I know. I got to get back on track, but. I guess, I guess just wrapping up, my, my big thing is just, just I'm just trying to get the, the point home that to me, James knows Filmation. James knows it inside and out. This is the man who claims, and we still haven't had him back on the show yet to verify this claim, but that he can pinpoint a He-Man transformation hearing just the, by the power of Grayskull to the I have the power, and he can tell you what episode it comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he knows Filmation. He yeah. knows he he knows it, and that's why I can't wait to see it because I know this is going to feel like filmation. I mean, there's been a lot coming out that has you know tried to be in the vein of filmation or honoring filmation or whatever, but I have no doubt in my mind that this hammers it home. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and guys, if you missed out or chose not to or couldn't at the time back fake filmation. You actually still have the opportunity by going to Indiegogo.com, search Faking Filmation, and you can 
uh, pledge your support now and you will get access to this Vimeo channel. Um, I'll go ahead and drop links down below as well. That way, you if, you, if you're regretting it, you want to see it, you are still able to. So, mm-hmm. check that out. <clears throat> Excuse me. There you go. <laughs> Refresher. So I guess the last kind of thing in news um, is, you know, we want to take a moment here at Legends of Grace School, and we want to honor the late and great uh, Mark Taylor. Uh, as most of you know, he passed away on December 24th, 2021. <clears throat> uh, a little excerpt from comicbook.com about his life. Uh, Mark Taylor, design, he was a designer of dozens of toys within the wildly collectible He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchises. I always forget about that with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his work on He-Man has just kind of become so, like, his big thing, which it was. Don't get me wrong. Um, oh, my apologies. It was actually on uh, December 23rd he passed away. Sorry about that. I uh, first began his career at Mattel in 1976, designing packages. Uh, he helped design the initial line of Masters of the Universe toys in the 80s. And after that became a hit, he pivoted his, his career and became an instrumental part in launching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at Playmates in 1987. Uh, the, his life work has been focused in plenty of documentaries, with the most well-known one being The Toys That Made Us. That's according to comicbook.com. I feel the power of Grayskull is more well-known, but that's just me. Um, the Twitter account for the show paid tribute to the designer. Rest in peace to an absolute legend. Thank you for He-Man and for your work on the TNT toy line. Most of all, thanks for the memories. Uh, Taylor is survived by his wife, designer Rebecca Solari Taylor. Um, as she's was quoted in a Facebook post on December 24th. I felt him say goodbye to this world as I held him in my arms for one final loving kiss. Um, he was aged 80. And yeah, that was a big uh, gut punch. Mm-hmm. He was, um, from all accounts, everything I've seen, he was an amazing, wonderful, loving man. As we know, a lot of his designs dating back to childhood where the where a lot of the inspiration behind He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, um, a lot of his work, uh, his unused work, is being carried over into the Lords of Power line by former yeah. boys. You know, his wife, Rebecca, helped with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, she designed the cardboard cutouts for the vintage Castle Grayskull. Um so just just a family there, the Taylors that really had their literal fingerprints all over this early line. Um, and for those of you that don't get the reference, the shingles on the back of the vintage Castle Grey School were literally sculpted by hand, and so you can—that's <laughs> actually their fingerprints uh, on those back roof shingles of ca- the vintage Castle Grey School. Um, I did not know that. Actually, that's actually awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. They, uh, nah, yeah. but yeah, it's it's just, and unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him, to shake his hand, to thank him for all his hard work. 
Um, but I know he knows he was loved by this community. He got a lot of appreciation. Um, unfortunately, they were both supposed to be at this past year's PowerCon, but they had to cancel due to Mark's health issues. So, yeah, he's you know he's up there with 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 the greats and. Uh, sorry, I was just having a hard time with the words. It's just, it's one of those things you always feel like there, there's going to be time. You're going to get your chance and everything. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's gone too soon. Even at age 80, he was, all the interviews, everything, he's so full of life and love for this property to this day. Um, and that's amazing too. Like he, it was a passion project for him even beyond what it meant to us as kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've only been able to be in an interview with, uh, with yeah. Mark and Rebecca once, and it was on, uh, on um, Council of the First Ones after I started uh, podcasting with them. And unfortunately, it's, it's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had in my life where I, I was not able to get a single question to him that night because of how it all worked out when you have multiple hosts on a show, mm -hmm. it's just not easy to do a situation like that. And, um, and the constraint time limit. I know you guys and, are and very the time much, limit as well. You we guys are very much like an hour. Yep. Yes. And we, we had internet trouble even at the <clears> beginning <throat> of the episode where we were trying to help them solve some problems to get them on the show. Yep. So by the time we got them on the show, we were trying to get as many questions out. And unfortunately it just didn't work out. But, even though I, I still look at it as I got to sit in and listen to them. And right. that is a gift that I, I treasure, even though I wasn't able to physically vocalize anything yep. to them that night. And the, the thing that I took away from that more than anything is the creativity that Mark had, even in his older years, where here's a guy that flat out said on the toys that made us, he and Skeletor are still fighting an attorney to this day in his mind. And I was like, right. you're damn right. You know, it's like that, that for me is, is like the justification of the fact that in my childhood, I put so much creativity into those figures and into my stories and hearing him say that it's like, you are the reason I, I care this way. You're the reason that this resonates with me, even at 43, right. you know, and um, it was, you couldn't ask well, oh, go ahead. I was just because it wasn't just a job to him. It wasn't just, no. hey, let's get these figures to shelves. It was, hey, I can get these guys that have been bounced around my head. Just Mattel's going to pay me to, to get them out of my head and into yep. 3D form. Yeah. You know, and he took full advantage of that. And you can feel it. That's <laughs> what. That's what resonates yeah. with us. I, I'm sure of it. Even not knowing the name Mark Taylor until I was an adult, that kind of love comes through. The sculpt, mm -hmm. the toys, the presentation. You know, mm -hmm. even if you can't physically or, or mentally, like, get yourself there as a kid, it affects you. You can feel mm -hmm. it. And it, it, that's absolutely what it was for Mark. He, is a, he was a creator. And mm -hmm. he took every opportunity he had to create. And, and the thing that, that I love too was to him, it was make it your own. You don't have to do it the way that everyone else is telling you yeah. you need to do it because his version of Masters 
was nothing like what we had growing up. So to this day, there's a part of me now that I know who, who was the, the mastermind behind a lot of these characters that I've completely loved all my life. It's like, I still wish there could have been like a comic book that he could have overseen to show this is how I would have done it and show that really bare bones, very, you know, like barbaric take and the savage take. Cause his version of He-Man is he's going to go and beat the crap out of you. You know, like he, and in the whole, you know, if a guy on a big tiger goes into a bar, you know, like he, he did that on Toys of Menace. And I'm like, yeah, I like that take on it. I just, I like that where it, he's a good guy and he will just punch the crap out of whatever it is that's hurting you or attacking you or whatever, you know. And, 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 and the thing him. is, his story is vastly different even from the stories we got. Like, mm-hmm. his isn't even, it's probably closest to kind of that early mini-comic, but even that's not Mark's story. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard an interview before where he kind of goes into his thoughts for the line. And, you know, for him it was very much a, 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 uh, it was, it was good versus evil, magic versus technology. Like, magic was going to be this very dark thing. For him, only, like, Skeletor and the evil warriors use magic. Like, yeah. he wasn't going to have the goddess, like, you know. It's, 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 it's very interesting. Um, you know, he, he pictured He-Man growing up, like, as, as a kid, as a baby. Like, you know, for him, He-Man was a, a person, you know, more like that jungle barbarian, but... Like, he, he had some interesting ideas about, like, the life of He-Man, and he wanted to really look at what, you know, more like a Conan, like, how'd you get here? You mm-hmm. know, and then going out to fight evil, which is the magic and all this, and um, I think the goddess was supposed to be kind of an untrustworthy, one. like, they're not sure whether they can trust her or not, like, because mm-hmm. she does have some magic, and uh, it's very interesting. Like you said, it's it's he's got all this story he, he would have done if he had complete creative control. That we never mm-hmm. saw, and you know, besides these little glimpses and in interviews, um, yeah, I agree. It would it would be great to actually, uh, you know, I've been able to hear like the whole story from his perspective. Um, yeah, would have been a whole different line, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah. yeah, I I still probably would have embraced it. And, oh, for sure. You know, with me loving that that uh, original take. I might have even loved it even more because it might have been a, even more thought out version than what we got in the mini comics. And because there is that we're cobbling it together the best that we can because we got to get this product out. But in his case, I felt like there was like a legit he knew that story from before he even started Mattel, you know, and that's right. that's what makes it like that voice is gone. But I'm sh- it, like. You were saying Formo to me, that might be another reason why that line is actually resonating with me even before his death. It was, it, it is almost like you're pulling back the, the page and seeing here is the deep cuts of what was really meant to happen. And they are trying to capture what Mark wanted to do the whole time in this new brand. And it's like, you know, that in, in a way, that's part of why I would like to get that line is like an honoring of, this is this is like the beginnings of what led to He-Man, which is something that it, it's been with me ever since I was three or four years old. So absolutely, well, yeah, wonderful creative spirit. Uh, the community has definitely uh, felt the loss. That's for sure. 
Yeah, the the craziest part for me was uh, the very first Christmas I ever remember opening presents and being excited when I was a kid was the Christmas I got Castle Grayskull. And the fact that he he ended his time with us right at Christmas time, it didn't, it, it, it just was like, well, that makes sense. You know, like it, it, it felt like if you're going to have to end your time with us, which granted nobody wanted that to happen for him, I'm sure, but um, you ended on, on the way that I was introduced to you the most, which was getting that Castle Grayskull and that box art and him and teaming up with Rudy Obrero to make that imagery and all that. It's like that painted the line for me for everything else. Yes. So it's like go in like you came out like that and it's memorable in that way. And, you know, I mean, we don't say it very often on the show, but uh, good journey. Tomorrow. Good journey, Marcel. Good journey. So I did run over and grab, jumping back again to the world's smallest, I did grab a Mega Constructs figure. So, um, Sean, do you have any of the Mega Constructs? I, I don't, yeah, I do. I don't have them down in the, in well, the just, basement here with me, though. Just for, uh, I'm just curious mm-hmm. if, you, if you knew the kind of size. Basically, they're they're like yeah. Lego size, maybe a little taller. Yep. So there's my Mega Constructs Prince Adam. Oh and my! There God. is my world. He's half the size. Half the size. <laughs> Barely comes up. To oh the my God! <laughs> now, see, oh, I bet man. Robot Chicken wished that they had these out back in the old days. Oh, they would have had a blast with that th- that stuff. These guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 nowhere near. Yeah, Adam, I mean I can move it on. There's the <laughs> mega constructs. Adam holding the power sword. It looks like a child's toy. Yeah. Speaking of which, my kids did get the new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe power sword for Christmas as well. That's oh yeah, fun. yeah, it lights up and uh, nice. Uh, I know it says, I think it says by the power of Grey Skull, and it might even say that, what, Thunder Strike or whatever is like. Yeah, Thunder Strike. Or Lightning Strike, that's it. Lightning yeah. Strike. Something like that. Whatever his, his, his. Special power, move. Special move. Yeah. Yeah. So. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, alright, so. It's been. It's been a minute since Master yeah. Universe Revelation came out. That was November, right? Right before Thanksgiving? Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. basically two months on. Um, yeah. Just never made it back to it. Our review episodes are out for those of you who want to go see it. But we just want to kind of touch base. You know, we never really finished up with the comic series. I know even after thinking on it a little bit, we had some other kind of stuff that got glossed over. Um Sean, have you gone back and watched it since uh, since we did well since November, basically? 
I think, yeah, I think I did watch the last five one other <laughs> time since then, but I haven't gone back to it uh, as often. Uh, like I said before the show, the one that we keep going back to is a CGI show. That one, right. my kids are eating up so much. And what's funny is we got through the um, the Savage He-Man episode or whatever you want to call them. I know people yeah. are having discrepancies on that. But we got through that episode, and my kids never asked to watch that one after that. That we've never gone back to it as a family. It's just been me rewatching it. So that also was, you know, making it sparser right. and sparser for me to get the time to watch it again. So, sure, sure. how about you? I've watched I've watched bits and pieces. I have not gone back and watched the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of reference some things. I guess for me, the hardest part about it is. I feel like if you're going to watch it, you have to watch it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because the episodes are not very standalone-ish. You know what I mean? Like, not like, you know, there's no Damar the Demon, or even even 2008, you know, Mike Young Productions, they really did, even with the overarching story that they did, they still, like, the episode is the episode. It's yeah. A to B, Maybe some hints at some other stuff, some plot threads left open, but it's still a story. Whereas all this is like, you know, to me, it's a one to ten. It's not even like a a one to five and a six to ten. You know, it's like that is the story. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of been daunting. Not that I don't want to, it's just the time to actually sit down and go back through it all. But I've... I've watched a few things here and there to verify or clarify or, or this or that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't sat down and watched it all again. Cause again, I feel like if I'm going to watch it all, I need to watch it all. That's just the way my mind works. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure here I will again. Um, real quick here. Let's start off with Tony Moore because I know he's been waiting uh, a while. Yeah. It's actually, we've actually got two emails from him, uh, from back in November. Uh, yep. Tony Moore, Simba's guard over on the org forums. Um, he wrote in an email. So we're going to start there. Dear Matt and Sean, I just wanted to chime in with some thoughts on part two of Masters of the Universe Revolution. I really liked it. And though I can still see where the naysayers will have room to complain, I hope uh, that we will get a season two. Agreed. I'd still want to see more in this universe, for sure. Uh, a few minor nitpicks I have. Killing everyone in Preternia. No matter how much power someone has, any universe's version of heaven should be a safe place. Um, real quick about that... Because that was one of the things I rewatched. And I know we brought it up during our review. While they didn't explicitly show Preternia Restored, there is that line once Sorceress Tila beats Evil Lynn, where she asks He-Man, I forget the exact quote I should have that, but basically, help me fix what's wrong. Or set things right. That's what she says. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's kind of open there to say that 
probably includes Preternia. But I still wish they had taken the moment to, like, show or even tell, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I would, I would have liked a bit more confirmation as well that it was there. But, I mean, you could, when they're setting things right, you could, you could say that they set that right as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't remember the, I mean, I know that part from the right. end of the last episode, but, um, yeah, but I, I think I think for for my personal thing, that is uh, a what would that be? Not a symptom, or but it's it's a it's one of the building blocks of why the last part surprisingly didn't work as well for me as I was hoping it would because I felt like they were trying to do too much with mm-hmm. too little in the episode allotment and in the time allotment. Uh, and of course, uh, going on with Tony's email, uh, Fisto and Clamp Champ died. Uh, my predictions were not nearly as correct as I'd hoped. <laughs> None of ours were. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, that's my problem. I'll get over that. Evelyn, you scientifically correct term for a female dog. Thanks for respecting our PG. <laughs> you killed my favorite villain. The villain that she killed? Panthor. Panthor? Is Panthor your favorite? Villain? She turned Panthor into stone and broke apart. I don't know if that's his favorite, but I know that that happened. And I, I was going to say, like, well, that's where I was going. That's the only villain I can remember her killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fisto's fighting comment. Not funny, Kevin Smith. I don't know if Kevin wrote that episode, did he? Maybe he did. Well, I'll trust Tony it, that he did. Even if he didn't write it, he was going back and doing revisions after the initial draft, which makes me think he might have had a hand in do. And no, that was not a Fisto joke. But if, if, I, if I nothing bet he else, had a little he, bit of say in that. You know? If nothing <laughs> else, he didn't fix it. And no, I actually agree with that. Fisto's dialogue—it's like one joke was fine, but. Like, every line that he had, like... Exactly. Um, And we only saw three more Masters. Agreed. And that's where a lot of my predictions... I mean, I did that, like, five days leading up to where I'm like, let's see this character, let's see that character. And while I'm not upset that I didn't get any of my characters, I still do feel that there was a lack of traditional Masters in there. You know, they, they kept it very tight, Storyline-wise, um, and this is an instance, especially in that final battle, where I would have liked to have seen more. You know, mm-hmm. give me the Mike Young Productions battle scene where everybody's just joining in. That's what I was hoping for, exactly. And yeah, that would, instead, we just get cameo appearances, and that's yeah. it. Well, like I said, I would have been fine with that, but give me, you know, give me ten more masters and ten less villagers. Not that I don't. I like the villagers coming and helping. I like the idea of like all hands on deck, all Eternia's coming out for this, but you know, why couldn't more masters have come out for it? Mm-hmm. So um things I really liked in this version, Man at Arms is Tila's Tila's Biodad. Agreed. Uh I know there is no correlation between this show and the CGI He Man. 
But seeing a version of our Cringer become Battle Cat Light was very cool. Um, agreed, and I think that's also something that Mike Young really did with Cringer is that at you know they really showed that at his heart he was more Battle Cat than Cringer. Yeah. Um, as was Tila saying, we have the power. Yeah, that's I mean that's just where Mattel's going with this. Uh, it's they've been kind of drifting that way since Eternity War. Uh, so mm-hmm. I expect that to keep popping up. Uh, Skeletor obviously loved Panthor. Uh, seeing Blade was unexpected and welcome surprise. Uh, Pig Boy is actually one of Skeletor's warriors. Neat. And last, but definitely not least, Battle Cat has obviously seen the Lion King. It's what I thought of when he met, when he defeated Battle Beast. I have to wonder if this is what the animators were thinking when they animated that scene. Uh, thank you for your time, guys. I look forward to hearing your in-depth thoughts on the individual episodes. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, thank you, Tony. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks for writing in. Great points there. Um, I didn't really think Lion King there, but I can definitely see where you would get mm-hmm. that, and definitely someone who's org name is Simba's Guard. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but that that was fun. I like that they gave it to Battle Cat to defeat Beastman. Um, that whole last episode, honestly, is just fun. That's that's the one I keep going back to, is that, that well, end battle scene. That That is the one. It, it's just like... Um... Oh, now I'm feeling really stupid. I can't think of it. The the uh, season opener for 2000X, the last, um, the last stand. It's like that whole episode is nothing but wall to wall a fight scene. Yeah, and that was part of why I absolutely loved it because you had two episodes leading up to this huge confrontation, and here we have we have nine episodes leading up to that one, mm-hmm. and I still. It, Every time I've watched it, I still scratch my head going, I still don't feel this is complete in some way. Yeah. I feel like the story was, I, I feel like we, we've we heard that the um, the multiverse comic that they had out, uh, like when we started doing the show originally, that that one was kind of a, wrote it as he went along. Tim Seeley yeah. did that. Yes, he did. And when we both discovered that, we were like, Oh, because that was part of our problem. And I feel like this show did better with trying to lay foundation, but there was still a lot of, there were a lot of questions I still have going. I can understand why people are still having questions and and, scratching their heads even now, even, even after getting the entire first season. Yeah. So I, I feel like no matter what, that is always going to be a negative against the show because it didn't address it didn't address everything the way I was hoping it would. And I I kind of wouldn't have minded the last two episodes to be a knockdown drag out because they built up the stakes so high they should have had something big because it yeah. really did feel rushed in the last the the last five episodes. The first five felt like they were building towards something. Then all of a sudden, the last five, it felt like now you're just going down the hill on the roller coaster and holding on tight. But it wasn't addressing it as meaningfully as the first part did for me. Right. There was no, like I said, at the end of our actual, there was not enough answers. There was yeah. 
there was a lot of stuff happening, but it's like, but it was just happening. And that's my biggest thing. And I, I get that you're trying to leave some stuff open, but at the same time, like, make this feel complete. I think that's a lot of mm-hmm. problem. With a lot of comics and TV shows and everything, like, they're so worried about what's next. That's like, well, wait a minute, can we can we take care of here right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's talk for a minute about about these guys. You know, yeah. the the prequel comic, which, in my opinion, these leave more questions than answers to this series. You mm-hmm. know, basically, I got done reading these and it's like that that's it like <laughs> let, let's let's talk about the orlax so that's that's the central story of the prequel comic right the mm-hmm. orlax he's you know he's come to a tour eternia with a dire warning you know trying I don't even know where I want to go with this. It's so confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, hopefully you, maybe you have, maybe you understood it better than me. But so we find out through the course of the comics that the Orlax's story, story is that his world primaria was destroyed. He came to Eternia to try and warn them, couldn't communicate, ended up causing trouble because he poisons everybody he touches. Um, But basically, it's revealed that he's trying to warn them about Hevel Lynn. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that it doesn't even it doesn't even come full circle in that miniseries. It's right. it's very much a, it drops you off the cliff at that, and you're like, what is that supposed to mean? And then when they get to it in the show, and they don't even mention they don't like the. The Orlax is literally a blink and you miss it moment in the second part of this of this series. So all the buildup of this having it be a prequel for the first part made no sense at all. And then when you get into the second part of it, the Orlax is pissing off man at arms. And right. and there is that moment of, you know, I've been <laughs> up for 30 hours straight, and it won't, you know, it won't let me have a rest and all that. But they don't really go anywhere with it other than you get that nod of here's this like ange- there's an angelic looking figure in silhouette you keep seeing right there. And you're not you're like, what is that supposed to be? This has never been a character. I'm sure there's people out there going, it has to be Evil Lynn because of the short hair, probably. Yeah. Yep. But it's like, well, what is that? And then when you see what that development is on the show, you're like, this is not anything that even was broadcasted from the first part that I should have been ready for in the second part, which was kind of nice. And at the same time, it was handled in a way where I'm like, they needed to go here now. Like we had enough problems and now we're going here, which is probably why I feel they had too much to cram into the second part. That could be it. Yeah. I Just the timeline I'm trying to... I mean, even if you get time... Okay, time travel obviously is on the table. It's it's fiction. But so... The Orlax... But I guess that's the thing. So in the series, when we see Heva Lynn get her powers, 
-hmm. She should have destroyed Primaria then and set this chain of motion into events. Yeah. But she didn't. So now if you're dealing with time travel, that never happened. So now the Orlax doesn't go back to Preternia to try and warn them. Mm -hmm. So now none of the none of this happened. And it really so was, now Skeletor yeah. doesn't learn the secrets of the Hall of Wisdom. So now he doesn't like now the first episode never happens. Mm -hmm. Time travel. <laughs> I've gone cross-eyed. Yeah, it's I just, to me. I guess that's what this prequel comic is to me. It's like all this setup that was not paid off in the series. Yeah. And the only things that matter from that are things that a lot of people are questioning because they didn't read the comic. Like in the evil Lynn, uh, her, her discussing about her childhood yeah. and they show that here's Skeletor coming out of the portal, but he looks like Horde Skeletor from the comic. Right. But then there's all these people going, well, why does he look like that? Because it's in the comic. He's when, it's when he's with Hordak and all this. Well, even that, and it's I, like, you know. I think you could have figured that out. No offense if you guys were really stumped by that. <laughs> but I mean, in most iterations, Skeletor has had some ties to the Horde. I actually yeah. liked how the show handled that better than how the comic did. Because I really felt it didn't need to be an in-depth. Well, I liked it better just as the Easter egg. Like, oh, look, he's got the Horde belt on. Like, that's cool. Well, so it, what's funny to me about the whole thing in general, and and I, I'm not I'm not like turning course or, or changing course on my opinion of the show. I'm 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 uh, middle of the road at best with Revelation because after seeing all ten episodes, there's things I like, there's things I don't like, and I yeah. feel like there's enough of both on either side that I'm just like it's just right there, it's right in the middle. And the animation is probably the thing that's really pushing it into. I like it more than not. Um, but a lot of the things that they bring up in the show, I was like, it would have been cooler to talk about it in the prequel. Maybe like, okay, you want to, you want to show us what Pruternia is about. Maybe get into that. Maybe get into the mythology of that. What is the deal right. with that? Because that was a big question <laughs> for a lot of fans and it wasn't done very well in helping fans understand what that was supposed to be in this mythology. And then the right. other thing that um, the, the biggest throwaway line that still drives me crazy that they didn't go to mm -hmm. is when Adam doesn't have the power sword and he says, you know, all this time, you know, I'm the spark. Right. Well, why is it that he knows that? And they didn't address it anywhere. It's like, I get the idea he and Adora are supposed to be the, the special ones. They're supposed to be those right. heroes. But if you want to talk like that in the show, why don't you go and actually bring that across? Like, the prequel I... could have been something like the sorceress and him explain it, talking about that and the lineage leading towards it and why he is the one to unlock the power yes. and why all, and it's you know, her doing, but you're the spark. And then right. him what saying it later would have given you chills. Like, oh, he's the spark. And then he says it without using the sword for the first time or whatever. I, it's like that's his ace in the hole, you know? Now, let me throw this at you. 
because this is that's another scene that I've gone back to a lot of times. Um, number one, I think the best way to explain that would have been if Evil Lynn had actually made it happen. And they hint at that in the episode, remember? But they're like, you know, Skeletor comes back and immediately thinks it was Evil Lynn that did it. And I think uh, that yeah, would have yeah. been, I think that would have been the best way to do it, honestly. Because even we were like, did Evil Lynn do it? Like, that would have mm-hmm. been a nice twist. I really wish they had explored that avenue. And it mm-hmm. would have made sense. It would have given, it actually would have given him a better reason not to do it again. You know, like he literally couldn't. But, mm-hmm. barring that, do you think Adam was completely bullshitting? And I know, guys, we try not to go beyond PG too much, but I think that was the only <laughs> way I could have phrased it. I think Adam I... was completely full of shit in that moment. And he was just Possibly. like... And he was just like, well, I got nothing else. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I kind of yeah, like I, that idea, too. I I don't mind that idea. Or maybe, maybe he had an inkling, but he didn't... Like, like he didn't know it was going to work. I have if it wasn't Evil Lynn, to me, he didn't know that that was going to work. Mm-hmm. But he's like, well, well, I'm at the end of the road here. I've, I've, I, maybe I've thought about this before. Maybe I felt like it could work. Maybe I, you know, like I have a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right, Skelter, let's try this. You know? So. Well, and, and, and like that's, I don't mind that idea, but I feel like in that <laughs> moment, the way the story is, it doesn't even seem like he's bullshitting. It really feels to me like he knows something Skeletor doesn't. And again, that's the whole rule that we talked about of, so anybody can take it and say the incantation and boom, they become the He-Man version of themselves or the, or, or the He-Valin version of themselves because I still love that. But uh, that's probably one of my biggest complaints is I, I, well, like, when, when Kevin Smith said the first episode is going to feel like filmation, it's going to feel like the next episode. Yeah. It's not in the, in the traditional way, but just right. it's going to have that spirit to it. Why couldn't they have started that episode with, with Adam visiting the sorceress? Why couldn't they have had something where you're setting the stage for what's going to happen by her, maybe explaining to him about the lineage or hint or her, doing something where it's it's like you know her her talking about the the lineage of the sorceress and her time eventually is going to be coming and almost like she's foreseeing yeah. what's about to happen and then her going into that with Adam and her saying to Adam the reason why no one else has done this is because of you and the idea right. that he knows that so in the moment when he does it it's the even without the sword, let's see what happens because it's supposed to be me, right? And, you know, it, for me, I think that's the thing that's driving me the most crazy. The more I think about this series, it's like there wasn't enough of a foundation with the rules and with the mythology to make me go, everything you're doing matches up to the lore that you're, you're setting up in right. the beginning of this. Everything felt like it was pretty much just run fast and loose with this and it's going to fit however we need it to fit. And it makes me go, well, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the way it makes sense. It, it's just you're running fast and loose with these concepts. And exactly. that's my biggest complaint about the series as a negative. It's just if you if if you even had two more episodes, right? Twelve episode first series, six and six, that would have been amazing because you could have had a little bit of prequel in there to go over that and the mythology and the, the rules at least. Even even like five minutes, just doing enough of that. And then at the end, you can have that battle sequence be even bigger and have more than just cameos. Stratos flying in and busting yep. up some stuff. Buzz off doing his thing. And as Steve Bashotti would say, being a jerk. Yep. And, um, you know, Ram Man bowling over people. Get, you know, uh, get Manny Faces, Snout Spout, you know, Cyclone. Get those guys out. I mean, that, that really did make me just go like, oh, that was it? Ram Man's literally showing up to say your mommy misses you and that's it? Like, it's like Danny Trejo was fine as the voice, but I'd really like to hear Randman doing more yep. like a it's clobbering time kind of thing, you know, like the thing in Fantastic Four and going into battle and stuff. But I mean, you know, power, like I said, powerhouse is what really tips it over the edge right. for me is they did a phenomenal job visually. I don't disagree there. And like, like I said, so getting back to comics specifically, my problem with these comics, again, is is just for that fact. Like they, they actually have end up making them more loose ends than mm-hmm. what we already had. Um, you know, like again, we want to ha- we want to devote a whole issue here to Skeletor's lost family, and then he's got the power for you know, the two and a half episodes, and he makes no move to bring his dead wife back, which supposedly was the whole point of everything. That's mm-hmm. why I'm a villain. That's why I did all this. That's why I'm after the power of Grayskull. You can't devote a whole issue to that and then not even mention it in the show. I yeah. I am really curious to find out how this like the planning behind this. Because it really feels like these two things the show and the comic were playing separately. And mm-hmm. that's what irritates me. You know, you just, you set up all this stuff. It, it, the, like I said, the Skeletor stuff, all that Evil Lynn stuff, which the Evil Lynn stuff did show up abridged in the show. I still don't get why they're so intent on that cannibalism angle. That's that an was... oddly specific choice that showed up both places. Um, that, that was That was one of the biggest... You don't do that in Masters, like for right. me. And, you know, I, like I was hoping they wouldn't even reference it. And instead, no, they went to that in the, in the show. I'm like, great. So we never get away from this thing. Right. And why does it need to be the case? No, I agree. And then going into the last issue of Revelation prequel comic, um, I mean, after after we spent the last three issues where, you know, King Randall got attacked, then we go to Snake Mountain and basically send, spend an issue on Skeletor's sad origin story, and then an issue on Evelyn's sad origin story. Again, kind of pacing, then issue four has, like, all this stuff to tie up, yeah. and in my opinion, it just it doesn't do a very good job of that either, which... Devil's Advocate, since this is supposed to be the lead-in to an animated series, like, this 
it makes more sense to have loose ends here than it does at the end of the show. You know? Mm-hmm. But to me, it's, it's, it's again stuff that it, it doesn't pay off. Um, I don't like... Well, let, let's just dig into Tila. She, you know, basically nobody can do anything to save King Randall. And again, Tila just kind of goes full Zor and heals him. Now, if the power of Zor, the sorceress, can do that, why couldn't Tila not? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. another one of those things that just raises more questions to me. Yeah. And personally, um, I don't really like it how it, you have the power kicking in in convenient moments such as that or when right. Adam is wounded and all that stuff. I I personally just I don't like seeing it be an easy out for these things all the time. I kind of wanted to see her not able to harness it completely and actually go into that final fight being a, a liability more than anything because right. they don't have a full powered sorceress and instead she's just going I'm rewriting everything. These are all my rules now. And it's like, that is a whole nother thing that fans were, were having issues about. It's okay. So you rewrite the rules because it suits you. And in that way, like when we reviewed it or when we had our initial reactions, I was like, well, it's Tila. Of course they're going to do that, but that's not the greatest. It's not going to hold up, you know, like, well, how come all these other women who probably were just as strong willed as her in one way or another, how come they had to stay within the conformity of this rule and she's able to do everything the way she wants it to. And that doesn't help the character for me. It makes it like, so everything just comes to you easily and you do however you want to do it. And that I feel is undermining a lot of the good stuff from our past. And I don't, it's like I saw it coming and I already, I I made it work in my head of why that is going to be the case. But it doesn't mean that I think that's the best option either. It's not the best resolution. There should have been some more of her really fighting with this stuff because she's a warrior. Yep. She's not a magical person. So her doing this, it's like, you know, trying to figure it out. I feel like there should have been more fight with that than how they set it up in the show. And just give me a reason. Give me an explanation. You can't just... I guess that's what I'm getting at with all of it, with the comic, with the series, like the Tila sorceress thing really bugged me because like you can't just do this and walk on. Like, oh, I can just do this now. Yeah. No. You know, we, we since the eighties, these have been the rules. You cannot mm-hmm. just break these rules, you know, and just not even give us a throwaway line like, oh, I did this or I had that or um, well, I mean, one of the things I came up with, and I'm, I'm thinking it might have been meant to be a part of it, and they just never really explained it, but going back to, you know, episode six, they make a big deal about, you know, before Tila now leaves Duncan and young Tila, you know, she gives Tila that, that, the protection sigil. 
on her forehead. Mm-hmm. And every time that Tila uses the powers, that lights up again. Yeah. So, in my mind, I've kind of gone to a place where, okay, maybe that's what's tied into it. Maybe because, you know, Tila is the first kind of legacy sorceress. You know, because even in our, mm-hmm. in our, in what we know, Kodak Ungol and Tila Na were not related. So, mm-hmm. maybe just the fact of the kind of birthright thing. Or that, you know, as a baby, Tila and I did this to her. Like, that. Like I think that's a good avenue to explore to go, here's what's different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where Tila and I did, you know, Tila and I says she has to give up her life. You know, she gives man Duncan the baby, says she has to go on her own, right? Yeah. But she didn't really. She left the, the symbol, to you know, on Tila. You know, she watched over her. She cared for her from a distance. Like, so maybe that's where it's tied in. You know what I mean? Like the mother's love, you know. You know Tila not already started the process to break the cycle. And Tila was able to inherit that. Yeah, it's possible, but that falls into the realm still for me of, you know, like I'm the spark that, that light. Right. it's like, you know, the whole idea of it, it could have been, that could have been a theme of the show that it really wasn't even delved into of, well, let's saying. talk about breaking these traditions. Let's talk about breaking the rules and why we need to break the rules because yep. it's chips are down. We got to do this or whatever. And that would have been interesting, but it, it's like, the show basically starts out and just doesn't let up and right. you, you have a few moments here and there, but for the most part, those moments don't address the big questions then that the fans are left with because some of these things don't align. It's like you have these moments of Tila doing the, I'm not ready. I need to say goodbye. I need to do this. And it's like, how about instead of that, they have like an actual discussion between her and her mother, which I know they did, Yep. But why don't they have her say something along the lines like that to her and just go, you know, like, I've always been shackled. You can be free, you know, and, and have her, you know, like, you can do it on your own terms. If they would have done that, it would have been the same way as exactly. if when Filmation started, when when Adam turns into E-Man and looks at the sorceress and goes, how are they not going to know it's me? And her doing well, the power of Grayskull will disguise you to them from knowing that you're Prince. Boom! Everybody would have accepted it. Same thing here. But they never did it. They always, they, they tiptoe around it and it's, the story is, it's, it's more of a, it's because story. It, this is why it's happened, because story versus it being, because this is a rule that now we are changing it's similar it's got that and i go always go back to Endgame, but it's like you know cap holding thor's hammer that's you know it's like that was something that it it it, all chips were down he used it and he could you know but it's not something that it's throughout everything it's building towards that it's just here's this example of we know what thor's hammer can do cap all of a sudden holds it makes sense boom you know it's it, it there's a mythology to that versus Tila just gets power. And I agree, the birthright probably is what makes it the most potent version of it. But, again, we're guessing. 
Right. It's not like the story let us know that's how like, that's the case here. And that's the frustrating part. And yeah. Uh, and last thing I want to say about about issue four of the Revelation comic is you know. You know, Tila saves the king, and they wipe her memory. Away. Yeah, and the dialogue in there makes it sound like they've done this many times before, which takes the whole story into a much darker place. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, filmation Oracle of the Crystal Sea. You know, Tila's quest, the sorceress. You know, yes, I'm your mother, but I have to keep that knowledge. And she wipes her memory there. You know. That works. But mm-hmm. if you're, again, you're, it just it goes to an odd place. I mean, if you're talking about like, alright, it's like the fifth time we've wiped Tila's memory. You know, at this point, you, you guys are in a pretty gray area here. Yeah. Like, I, I, I again, it just, it's one of those things I don't like what you're implying here. Like, every time she gets close, like, oh, wipe her memory again, wipe her memory again, you know, and it opens up the door, like, okay, has she ever speculated that Prince Adam might be He-Man? Well, bring her down to the castle, let's wipe that memory, you know. Well. It gets into a very uh, 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 identity crisis type story. I, thank you, because I was just going to bring that up, because that <laughs> book... Uh, I know it's written by Brad Meltzer and he's considered to be quite, quite a writer and everything. Mm-hmm. But when I read that story in its entirety, I actually was really shocked <coughs> by like, okay, so Superman knows about this and that's Superman. Like, and it's the whole well, Superman, Superman knows what he wants to know. He turns his back sometimes. It's like, but that's Superman. And it's right. the same with He-Man, you know, it's like, but He-Man's there every time they mind wipe Tila. It's like, if, if well, I was the, Tila, I'd be ready to kill people by this point instead of just yelling at them because of them doing this constantly. The sorceress <laughs> is the one doing it. Exactly. Her especially mother is off, over. Especially coming <laughs> off this era. Like, this is supposed to be, you know, the continuation of the vintage era. Like, the sorceress yeah. was that mom down the street that everybody called mom. Like, exactly. Like, she took care of all of them. She looked out for them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And now she's playing fast and loose with the mind wipe. Like, yeah, I just, I guess that's my thing, right? At the end of the day, it sets everything up in the gray area, which, as you know, I'm never a huge fan. I don't like all these, you know, sympathetic villains. You know, are they good? Are they bad? Oh, I get why he's like that. It's like they do that with Teal and Evil, and they try and make the sorceress seem shady and it's like this wasn't the place for that like if you're really building off the vintage era you want them to be true to their characters and Mm then the vintage era is the one place you can't do that they it was black and white it was good versus evil they say that in the show you know yeah oh he man really said that yeah that was his kind of humor yeah it was You've got the mm-hmm. Boy Scout versus the demon from another dimension. Yeah. You know? 2000X, yeah. that would be a good place to kind of go, okay, let's explore some of these concepts. I guess that's yeah. a big misfire for me. It's not like it's a bad story, but it's the wrong era for it. Exactly. I mean, 
the the way that the sorceress was characterized in 2000X would have been perfect setup for this. Oh, she she was way colder. She would have been alien feeling. The motherliness was gone. Like, I mean, when you see the way she interacts with Adam, the only episode she feels motherly is if Larry Dottilio has his hands in it. You know, and um, and that was few and far between, unfortunately, on that show. But yeah, like that. the gray area works in like uh, Marvel created the Ultimates lines of comics. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, they're talking about how Professor X is maybe mind controlling some of the X Men in order to do his bidding versus yep. having free will. Well, there you go. You can do that in that universe right. and make him into a questionable character. And the fans still have the original one and go, oh, well, he's that guy here, but it's fun to see him do his other thing over here. And yep. Reed Richards got to be a villain in that universe and stuff. And in this, it's like, that's, that's, I, I would have appreciated Revelation just being its own thing, letting Powerhouse go crazy with it and addressing some of these storylines. I was just about to say, then in their the, own terms. But then you have to yeah. go back. That's the thing. If you're going to do that, you have to start farther back and we have to learn who this He Man is. So they're trying to take yeah. the easy way out by saying, okay, we're taking Vintage Era, we're building off of that. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, but did you? You know, mm-hmm. and that that's what frustrates me, you know? Yeah. Um, and even here, I I mean, they're, like I said, the, the Orlax of Primaria, that timeline is confusing. I mean, he even says at the end here, that his world was the first casualty. It wasn't. Preternia was. So mm-hmm. it's like right there. Contra- That's what I hate. The contradiction. Look at his last panel with Tila. Where they're wiping her memory. Mm-hmm. Where is she? Castle Grayskull, right? Castle Grayskull. More specifically. Oh, where the... Uh... Where the orb is. Right. The orb chamber. Right, down the orb chamber. Yeah. What does she say in episode one when she's heading down the stairs? What did she say? I can't remember. I don't remember the exact line, but she says along the lines of, what is this place? Yeah. And he, man, you know, he delivered, oh, this is the heart of Castle Grayskull, where all the power is. Mm -hmm. She's literally been there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's the stuff that irritates me and I know mm-hmm. guys it seems like I'm really nitpicking on Revelation again I like the show mm-hmm. I don't care for the comics the artwork is fantastic I love the artwork in this I want to see really do more yeah. in this universe because I really love her character design and the, the expressiveness the action like it's a good look for Master's character's but I don't like this story, and it raises more questions and answers, and it contradicts the show it's setting up. And yeah. I hate that. That was my problem with multiverse. That was my problem mm-hmm. with Netflix She-Ra. At the end of the day, it contradicted itself too often. Mm-hmm. I agree. <sighs> um, Mindy Lee Skeletor is one of my absolute... Oh, Every time amazing. she posts a Skeletor, it's, it's like Christmas for me, because I always enjoy that, but... Yeah, oh, the secondary I, I, honestly, characters in this. Look at her clawful. 
Her mm-hmm. trap jaw, her triclops, they're like sneaky and evil and fun. And, and her evil Lynn has this slinkiness, like Why? this erotic slinkiness about her that I, I really appreciate. But but yeah, like <clears throat> honestly, the story itself, like the first issue got it really got you going, ooh, where's this going? But it then felt- when you spend two middle issues where you did, it's like you built all that momentum up with one issue and you just killed it with two. And then we get back to the fourth one and you're like, I guess this is it. Because that's what they told me. And it's four issues. And that's what it was. <laughs> Whereas that first issue felt like the setup for a classic filmation episode. And that's what it should have been. Agreed. It should have been that quest. A, B, C. Mm-hmm. Oh, King Randall got injured. We had to find this to heal him here. Oh, we run into Skeletor and his goons. They cause some problems. We get the MacGuffin. We get it to the castle. We save King Randor. Maybe Pepper in, you know, some ideas of Tila questioning where she's from and stuff. Set that up and everything. But that should have been it. Like, mm-hmm. it was overly ambitious. <coughs> mm-hmm. Which, honestly, it, the show is that way, too, from my perspective at this point. So... Again, it's like I would have rather had the time travel thing where He-Man gets to meet (laughs) King Grayskull. That could have been two whole issues. Right. They did that in one issue, and it's like, well, why couldn't they have done something where maybe he would have been stuck there? They like, like on the other side, you know, Skeletor and Evil Inner do want a spell to to trap him there because the sorceress can't bring him back or something. That could have been a great story. And like you said, point A to point B, boom, you got your story. You, You come back. With him understanding more of himself, you know? That's the other thing the comic never really set up. I mean, it kind of did, but it, like, the supposedly the revelation in the comic from the Orlax was that Hevelin is going to destroy the universe. And yeah, he gives some stuff about Paternia too, and you're kind of left to glean that that's how Skeletor figured it out. But they never really... Like, I was expecting more of a setup for what Skeletor knew in that first episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas they just kind of danced around, and at the end, Skeletor's like, Oh, I see it now! I see the big picture! And it's mm-hmm. like, well, but, but do you? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess you do? I don't know, it just it was another weird, uh, fuzzy thing there. Um, <clears throat> Real quick here. I meant to do this a minute ago when we were talking about Tila Sorceress, but we we just kept going. Uh, Tony Moore did send a second email about his Sorceress Tila theory. So we're going to read that right quick. Dear Matt and Sean, I loved hearing your thoughts on Masters Universe Revelation. I have this idea as to why Tila can leave Castle Grayskull as the Sorceress. I think Tila Nas' spirit did not ascend to heaven when Tila became the Sorceress. First off, there is no heaven for her to ascend to. Thanks, Hevelin. Thank you for getting Hevelin <laughs> to catch on. Yes. Secondly, if Tila Na's spirit remained tethered to Castle Grayskull, that could be what allows Tila more freedom as a sorceress. It would also allow for Tila Na to train Tila in magic, and more importantly, allow them some semblance of mother-daughter time. What do you think? I like that. Actually, I really like that. So, Tila Na has become, in effect, the spirit of Grayskull. Mm-hmm. And she's able, she's like putting herself, in, like, I will remain here forever if it means Tila can then not have to give up what I did. The mother's sacrifice. 
right there. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't that scene in there? And well, it gives them yeah. that that opportunity. It gives you your okay. Tila doesn't know quite what she's doing, but she's got her mother there to guide her. That would have been awesome in that final episode. I I completely agree with that, and I think I I want to see more of what Tony would have done with the show. Um, yeah, because honestly, that no, like that would have been awesome. But the thing is. Like after she dies, you have that moment where she Tila's trying to yes. save Adam, and you see the <laughs> spirit version of Sorceress there with her. Yes, it's like okay, well, that would have been kind of cool if they would have had more moments of that, like her she, meditating, trying to get the message out to everybody to let them know they need all the help they can get, and, you and her, her getting like, frustrated. Yeah. yeah, like her getting frustrated, and then you have like you have a moment where her mom is there and talking to her instead of Andra. Right. And that could have been like a Luke Obi-Wan moment, for instance. And the cool thing is, yeah. Yeah. And then the cool thing is when you have the whole evil in bit happening and she's now in the sorceress getup, I, I like the idea that there could have been this moment there where, you know, evil Lynn leaves the castle and she's like, you have to stay here. And she's laughing and flying away. And I love that Teela could even be like, She's right. And then all of a sudden there's Obi-Wan sorcerers coming back again yeah. and doing the whole, you know, like, like I'll go to the castle. You go yep. take care of her. And it's like, that's all you needed. And that would have made me cheer oh. even harder going like, holy crap, sorcerers is still in play. She's going to be the thing to keep yep. everything good to go. Like you said, the true spirit of Grayskull. And then, yes. and then Teela can go off and do the, basically the goddess yeah, where she's able to be a warrior goddess and also use the magic that she's learning as she and, goes. Right, come back, learn from your mother, learn you exactly. Know. That uh, would have been amazing. You still had the sorceress calling out for help, like, "Oh, Tila, you need to get back to the castles. The Skeletor's yeah. attacking." Like, it sets everything up. It's actually a way to reset it without resetting it, you know. And that's another thing I know I brought up at the end of it. I really wish that there was a little bit more of a. You know, not a full reset, but like maybe Fisto and Clamp Champ could have come back. I mean, we did bring Orko back. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I I wish there was a bit more. That would have been a way to like, no, Telanod died. You know, the stakes are real, but magic. You know, yeah. it gives you it gives you that opportunity to still go like, okay, there's still we still get back to a good place at the end. Mm-hmm. Of it. Well, forget, I, another forget thing. everything I said earlier about Sorcerer's Steel. I want that. That is I my head cannon, Tony. Thank I, you. I mean, I mean, just imagine, like, in the middle of the battle, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, you know, He-Man or, or somebody, or even, even Randor could have said something like, you know, like, I, I, it would have to be He-Man in this case. The whole idea of the Sorceress is out of Grayskull. But yeah. all of a sudden, Grayskull starts defending itself in the middle of the battle. What's going on? The castle's alive, and it's like because of the right. spirit now imbuing in it and just going and wrecking the troops and wrecking this and that and helping on the battlefield. Not not with Ca- Castle Grayskull, man, but just the idea of you know the magic is alive within well, its should, walls. Well, because... should bring it up. Should bring up those crystal guns again and everything. Exactly. Like you know, yeah. the force yeah. field. The yeah. And there exactly. is nothing more masters of the universe than the parental sacrifice. I mean, especially filmation. Mm-hmm. Like that thing is chock full of of that whole theme. I love it. I love that theory. That that and again, that's all we needed. Just give me some explanations for this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. You know, and I know, I know, 
people are probably like, man, they really hated Revelation. No, I didn't, but this is the stuff that's been bugging me for the past couple months, and so that's why I wanted mm-hmm. to talk it out, and, and like I said, I just, I wish the comics had taken a little more opportunity to tie in a bit better. I, I Nothing frustrates me more than when you know, a tie-in contradicts itself, or uh, contradicts mm-hmm. a series. Like, that makes my head hurt. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, the Sorceress Tila thing, I just wish there was more explanation there. And my last thing, like, it still hasn't changed. I still don't like that anybody can pick up the power sword and change. And that they put no limit or loophole or explanation or anything in this universe. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just what it is at this point. I can't even come up with a way to rectify that, unfortunately. Yeah, my my half-assed version of that still doesn't hold up for me. It has <clears throat> a good enough explanation. It's just like, well, that could be a way to go with it, I guess. Oh yeah, but, I mean, um, I can come up with ways, but there just there wasn't enough. But the show presented too much as just no, like anybody can do this, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, I love I love that idea about Sorceress Tila. That would have made all the difference for me. Um, I'm I'm seeing scenes that we missed because of that now. Like the end scene where her and Adam are talking. How cool right. would it have been to have him doing the whole well, world? So I guess you won't need He-Man or whatever. And then at the end of it, her going, I need to go back to the castle. Him going, you know, well, I thought you weren't, you were able to get out of the castle now. And she's like, I need to spend some more time with my mom. Right. I mean, how bam, you know, like yeah. that would have been a, Hell well, like, one right and like there. you said, thinking back, so obviously Sorcerer is helping Tila heal Adam. Like that yeah. was you, and I love that scene. It worked perfect, and I liked I liked that healing. I didn't like the King Randor healing because just like poop out of nowhere. But the Adam one was the literal opposite, where Tila and I was like, "No, here's how you do it," you know, exactly, and it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, the. Uh, we even get that moment before Tila enters the pool of power where her mom shows back up in spirit form. Like mm-hmm. everything was leading to Tony's idea. They just didn't go there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything else you want to? Oh. <laughs> Hayden is here and he wants to show my hey, vintage battle, battle cat. cat. Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pal. Thanks, Bill. Any other, any <laughs> other uh, things you wanted to bring up about Revelation? I think I've hit all. No, I I think we hit that one because I, I again I'm I'm on the same page as you. I don't hate it. I just really feel like they could have refined it and yeah. and made it a little more. You know, like you understood things rather than left it even now going. Well, part two didn't answer every question, and why did they do this? And it, that's been driving me crazy. The more I think about it, when I keep coming back to something and having those feelings. Right it really does diminish the impact. Like we did our knee jerk reactions because we were taking it in, in that moment. But when you look back at it, it's like, yeah, there's definitely some questions. So, absolutely. So looking at it now, we've had a couple months to think on it. Masters of the universe, revelation, season one, episodes one through 10, Mm -hmm. one through 10 ranking for the series. As a whole, as it stands right now, for me, I I would give it 
this this is going to surprise people. I bet I'm going to give it a seven right now with how I am about it. Like we just addressed all the reasons why, yeah. At least story wise, I feel like it can't get much further than that on my rating. Yes, for the for the series itself, I'm going an eight. Uh, I really think it, the animation was fantastic. The voice acting um, overall was very good. There were some mm-hmm. gripes. Um, and the sto- the storyline itself, I've really enjoyed. I liked where they went. Um, and I know that's probably surprising everybody who just listened to all this, but, you know, go back and listen to our earlier reviews. Cause I think, I think that's the thing. I think we covered all the good in those earlier reviews. Yes. And today yeah, was yeah. more like the lingering, like, like, uh, the lingering questions that we have. So, yeah. Uh, but there was so much good stuff, so much good animation, so many good moments. Um, so yeah, it's an eight for me. Now, what about for the comic series? Where would you rank the comic? Uh, I'd have to rate rate it like story wise. I'd give it about a four or a five, yeah. maybe. And that, like, a huge chunk of that is because those middle two issues just went off in these directions where I'm like, I don't care about these stories. Yeah. Um, the art, I would give it a definitely seven or an eight yeah. because Mindy Lee really did do some iconic looking stuff with that. But it's within the service of a story that was not compelling to me after the first issue was over. Yeah. I, I go a solid five on it. Same thing. It's like the art, amazing. Yeah. Story, eh. and the contradictions exactly. Eh. So I uh, yeah for the ser- <laughs> for it as a whole I have to go a five middle of the road, um, which which is disappointing. I I wanted yeah. to like it a little more, and man, since Eternity War, they just cannot get a comic going. I don't get what the what the issue is, but in comic book form. It's always the same for me. It's like it starts out at least intriguing, and then it just fizzles. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is, but I hope they get it figured out because I want to see more comics. <laughs> I love comics. They're an opportunity mm-hmm. to go more in depth than a show or a movie can. You know, get a little bit more inside characters' heads. Um, mm-hmm. Now, animated series ranking. We did tell the fans that we would get back to this once yeah. Revelation completed. So you've got Filmation, He-Man, and She-Ra. Yeah. You've got Mike Young Productions, um, CGI, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, New Adventures of He-Man, and She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, and Master Universe Revelation. I can go Boy. first if you need a minute. Go for it, because, yeah, I, I think I got mine figured out, but I want, let's do yours. So I've got Filmation, He-Man, and She-Ra, number one. It, it, it's got to be. It's, it's the OG. It's, it's everything is built off of that. It's my first love, and nothing's going to topple it. Um, and number two, Mike Young Productions. Another pivotal moment in my life is coming, you know, late teens, early adulthood, and just, it was everything I needed at that time. It delivered in spades. Um, Number three, I'm actually going to go CGI He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I love what they're doing with it. I love 
how it harkens back to the early mini comics plus being its own thing plus a little bit of everything that's come up to now mm. animation voice acting is fantastic it's a great show um so then four i'm gonna go master universe revelation i loved a lot of what they did animation story-wise it, it was a great series for this time um and then New Adventures of He-Man. And then bottom of my list is always going to be She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And it's mainly that final season. Same thing. It did not pay off like it needed to or what I felt it could have. Sure. All right. Um, <clears throat> number one, my list number one is going to be 2000X. Just because that thing, that thing went for every aspect, almost every aspect of what I wanted when I was a kid. Right. Uh, from the cartoon. Um, number two is going to be CGI Masters okay. because wow. that one has, that one ignited a love for the brand in my kids. Yeah. And it made me excited to watch a, a cartoon for He-Man again since 2000X because I don't know all the answers. Right. How cool is that? Like we, that's what the main thing we talked about. Like it, the designs might not be a hundred percent the way I'd like to see them, but there's so much going right on that show, and it has me so pumped to see what they come up with next. Um, number three will be Filmation for both counts. Shira, He-Man, that's fine. Yep. Because I grew up on it. The nostalgia. I mean, the theme song is still my favorite theme song for He-Man, no matter what. The transformation is, you know, the transformation. Yep, yep. Um, and then Revelation will be after that, mostly for the fact that the story... The more I think of the story, I could feel there could have been some refining to it. There could have been more explanation to make it satisfactory to a lot of fans. But the animation and the voice acting, like you said, I mean, Chris Wood's He-Man is badass. I absolutely yes. love his He-Man. And um, and there were, let's see, like, uh, I had no idea I was going to like a Diedrich Bader uh, King Randor. He's amazing. That was great. He, great he was great. <laughs> and and uh, Liam Cunningham uh, as a man at arms. Yep. I mean, geez, that was great too. Mark Hamill won me over eventually as Skeletor. Lena Headey. Um, and then after that, uh, I'd have to tie New Adventures and Netflix Shira only because. I haven't seen enough new adventures, but I haven't wanted to go back and watch new adventures. <laughs> and Netflix Shira, it, it just it, like you said, more questions than answers. And the stuff that was interesting to me on the show was a Mara deal. Like yep. I'd rather have watched a Mara TV show than worry about the Adora stuff. So exactly, yeah. What? Oh. Good that we've had this many seasons. There was a time where everybody again thought that E-Man was dead. Like, this is it. We're not going to get anything mm -hmm. else. So, you know, can't complain about having too much stuff. And I can't wait to see what's next. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a new Eternia something sooner rather than later. I'll be interested in that. I mean, yep. you know, anything... Especially if it's not you're playing the same old favorites. Let's do something that has me guessing. I don't exactly. know everything there is. That that's why the CGI one is is like magnetic to me right now. Because you know it's like you can only tell me Luke is Vader's son so many times before I'm like I know where you're going with the story or you, right. you know Sorceress is Tila's mom. Okay, let's 
let's tell something that maybe nobody can figure out except for the people enjoying it right now. But, exactly. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to close this, and I can't wait to see what's next. And I do honestly hope that we get a season two. I'd like to see what they do with the horde. I'd like to see where they go in this universe. You know. Sure. I think there's lots I, of potential I, still. I want to see a powerhouse horde act. I, I think he'd be an amazing. I mean, even uh, Grizzlor. Oh yeah. Can you imagine what Grizzlor would look like. <laughs> yes. So. All right, Sean. It's your part of the show. Take it away, buddy. Oh boy! Um, I don't know how many because we're running late. I, I had no idea how late we're going here. Uh, I did the, the posts for comments, questions, and geek them. Uh, RJ Clark wrote us this time. It's nice to hear back from you, RJ. Um, when all is said and done, which of the new toy lines will be the most popular and have the strongest nostalgia factor twenty years down the line? Oh, that's that's got to be the CGI. I mean, <laughs> well, no, especially, I mean, you're talking 20 years down the line, so you're talking yeah. when my sons are, like, you know, 30 and 27, respectively. Mm-hmm. Basically where we were at the start of classics, more or less. That's so, true. You know, and, yeah. that's what the, and that's what they're loving right now. They're loving this Origins line, or not Origins, CGI. CGI, um, yeah. CGI, so... Yeah, I got to go with that one. I really, you know, Masterverse is fun. I'm really loving that. I know Origins is hitting the sweet spot for a lot of people, but, you know, I mean, if you're talking 20 years from now, it's going to have to be the CGI stuff. So, um, that works. And, the, and this is the one that I see move the fastest. I mean, I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not lying. When I, I'm in a Walmart, you know, five times a week, I check out the shelves CGI figures move the fastest. Mm-hmm. Followed by Origins, followed by Masterverse, honestly. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, this show's going to continue to be a hit. I think it's going to get multiple seasons, and 20 years from now, kids are going to be like, man, I want them to make He-Man figures again, and this is what they're going to be talking about. I can't fight you there. I mean, for me, uh, <clears throat> I, I'd always go to the classics, because that's just my... that I always say that, but it's like that's still the the amalgamation of the best things for me but it, here's the thing like um you know i i feel like origins is probably the last time we're going to see them in that way right um so yeah i, I think you're right i think that because uh, the kids my my son mm-hmm. he knows the differences between yeah. which version of he-man is his he-man now and all that and i'm like okay that's right. cool so exactly. you're right yeah, I just said you, dude. I just said yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's see. Um, Jay, and, and then I feel bad. I, it, is it Gra, Gravata? Or Gravati? Yeah. G-R-A-V-A-T-T-E. Uh, I'm really sorry for butchering your name, Jay. I'm really sorry. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday, too. So happy, happy birthday, birthday, Jay. Um top five figs you'd like to see in the next wave of Masterverse or Origins? Ooh. That's tough for me. <laughs> Even Master- though I read them earlier, I'm like, ah, geez. Masterverse or Origins? It's a, there was an or, right? Not an and? He has it as a slash, but I'm going to say or. Okay. At this uh, point. Well, how about, do you have one that you prefer, Masterverse or Origins? I 
I feel like either line can have the potential of going deep diving now that they're doing Lords of Powers, so you can do however you want. Well, no, I was going to say, in the, you, the Lords you, ta- of power, you take the one, I'll take the other. Oh, okay. All right. Um... It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take Masterverse just okay. because. I'll take Origins <laughs> then. So Origins, um, you got to get a Cyclone in there. He's already been teased on card back, and I mean he's just an essential. Got to have Cyclone next. Um, I want them to throw somebody unexpected. Let's let's put a Queen Marlena in there. I think I think that's they they've kind of been trying to go a little bit more, you know. Oddball and that, so let's get let's get the queen in there. Let's get somebody who hasn't been done in vintage style. Um, oh, we need a hordesman. There's there's been a lack of hordesmen, so let's go. Um, well, we know Grizzlor's coming because he was a PowerCon exclusive. They're going to reveal him regularly, so we're not going to go with him. Um, Let's do Mantena. Let's really... He's going to be a deluxe figure like Mosquito, but let's throw him in there. So he'll be the deluxe. That actually works, because mm-hmm. five, and there's usually four in a regular wave. So Mantena's going to be the deluxe. Um, he'll have all the eye-popping feature you want. And then, so for so for the regular wave, uh, we got a War Quarter, we got Queen Marlena, so we're going to need a couple bad guys. Um... Oh, Whiplash. Whiplash is due. He's a staple of an evil warrior. we got to get him out there. So Whiplash will be your evil warrior for the wave. Um, and then they've been doing one that's more kind of... They've been peppering a lot of repaints lately, too. But I can't think of anybody who's, who would be repainted. So I'm just going to throw two bad in there. Because I love nice. this is too bad, and uh, Origins too bad will look pretty awesome with actual mm-hmm. articulation. So there you go. Uh-huh. There's the, that is the next five Origins figures that are coming out. <laughs> Masterverse uh, Buzz Off. I'd love to see a new Buzz Off, uh, especially if he has like the 2000X slant. They, I mean, they did a little bit of that with the Powerhouse animation, so I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, yep. And annoyingly, I had all these in my head when you were talking, and now I lost them all. Uh, but def- <laughs> definitely buzz off. Um, oh, man. Now now I feel like an idiot. I can't remember. Uh, I, I would like to see the uh, white Orko from the end of uh, oh, yeah. Revelation. Yep, finally yep. get that. Oh, and, and here's the one that I forgot. Uh, Sorceress Tila. Oh yes, that design was really nice. I thought that that worked really well. Um, and then, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for the Preternia guys, and you know, I'd love to see a Vicor or a Wondar, just because I know they're doing the King Gray Skull for Masterverse. Yeah, but I'd also, I I would be thrilled just to see if any versions of this would eventually have the CGI ones, because I'd love to see them standing straight <laughs> tall. Yep. You know, give me give me um Teela before she does the transformation, the thief Teela, because I love yeah. that design. Or the Orco like you have but in Masterverse or whatever, and make that a deluxe set with maybe have him and Teela because they're the two that are protecting Randor at the end of the season. Absolutely. You know, or 
doing something along those lines would be pretty sweet. So I think that's fine. So sure. yeah, I'll stick with that. <laughs> I love it. I'm a sucker. And then, let's see. Um, GP Castro, he, he had a comment and it was, um, actually, no, he is more than a comment. Absolutely love the podcast. Thank you, JP. Thank you. Um, any plans to do another live episode like on Revelation Eve? Keep up the great work, guys. Oh, we have so many plans. I, I alluded to that, but I didn't get into it too much. <laughs> nope, not yet, but there's big things coming. Uh, live episodes, definitely. Um, we always actually plan on hitting more than we do. Um, scheduling mm-hmm. is a lot of it because for the most part, we record during the day, and that's not a good time for lives. <laughs> But, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to have some lives. We've got some big giveaways coming up. We're getting closer to a thousand subscribers every day. That's a big one. Um, so yeah, we got we got some big stuff. There'll be live episodes and more. We'll just leave it yeah. There. And then the last one is from Alan Myers, my cousin, who still has yet to see Spider Man No Way Home, and I feel horrible for him because wow. we tried and failed. Um, you need to get out there and see it, Alan. Oh, he he said at this point he'll wait. He, he told me he'll wait. <laughs> no, you got it. That's um, one you got to see in theaters. <laughs> so his final question was: Any favorite memories with your kids, or any that stick out watching the two Netflix series? Uh, nothing really specific, but uh, definitely that they the kids have definitely latched onto the CGI more than Revelation. Um, Nothing in particular, but I do recall, like I said, my kids after every episode of CGI would be like, well, what's this mean? Or what's that mean? And just the fact that I could tell them I don't know um, sticks with me. Because again, like like we said before, it's fun watching that show, not knowing, not having all the answers um, and being able to Experience that together as a family uh, has Agreed. been a big part of it. So that's why CGI is always going to hold a special place in my heart, no matter where it goes from here on out. So. Yeah, for me, uh, I think it was the episode of the CGI one where they all got the power for the first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, my my daughter said that she wishes every time we watch that she doesn't know they're about to do it because it it just she and my son were both going crazy when they realized everybody gets the power on that show. Right. And the minute you see like Tila power up like my my daughter fell completely in love with that character because it reminded her of Raven but in a in a better way than yeah. how Raven is. And my my son was he got so excited to see Battle Cat that huge and the way they had him on the show and all that and he loves Ram Ma'am he thinks she's so cool because yes. she's spinning like like Sonic does when he speeds up <clears> in the <throat> game so just that whole series that's another reason why I keep touting it is my kids care about it now because they they see their version and their version doesn't. It doesn't offend my version. It makes me happy there's that version. It makes me excited for their version, too. So, right. Yeah, it's it's just great. I love that. So, yeah, and that's, that's all of our comics, questions, and geekdom for this episode. Nice. And I guess we'll go from there. So, um, 
real quick here, I just wanted to ta take a minute. Um, obviously, we have passed our two-year anniversary. Happy anniversary, Sean. Oh, happy anniversary. We are now entering <laughs> our third year of podcasting, which is amazing. And you guys have all helped the channel grow so much. And we really appreciate everything. Um, so I wanted to take a minute and share some, some stats. So since, uh, so we joined YouTube on October 28th, 2019. And all this is just going to relate to the YouTube. Um, that's definitely, we love you audio listeners, but YouTube has definitely been the biggest source of everything. So, um, so yeah, October 28th, 2019 is when we joined YouTube. Um, our first episode was published on, is it going to give you the date? January 9th of 2020 was when I finally released our first episode. In that time, we have gained 927 subscribers. Uh, we have been viewed 94,467 times. Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, for a total of, sorry, I got to flip between some different pages to get these different stats. For a total watch time of 19,700 hours. Wow. <laughs> 19, Nobody wants to hear me talk that much. That's crazy. 700 hours. That's watch time. I should have figured out how much time we've actually talked. Because you figure yeah. what, 81 episodes times probably an we, average of like an hour and a half an episode. We uh, Yeah, we can get verbose. <clears throat> My wife even knows when I'm about to record. She, I'm like, we're going to do this quick. She's like, right. <laughs> so... 19,700 hours divided by 24 hours, so a day, it is 820 days of wow. watch time. Yeah, oh, that really God. puts it into perspective. Our number one viewed episode, can you guess what it is? Uh, Something to do with Revelation, I'm guessing. Is that it? Was it when we announced the Kevin Smith uh, soundtrack or whatever? It was Kevin Smith's Revelation oh episode 56, where I did the Bear deceptive. It, also, where I did the deceptive cover, where it looks like Kevin Smith is on the screen with us, which might have something to do. <laughs> that with might have, yeah, that being our number one. Um, I thought I could see. And I can't. I should look at certainly. All right, I can't see what our lowest viewed episode is, but that's all right. We don't gotta. Um, geography. We have viewers around the world. Our top countries. Number one, obviously, the United States. Number two is Brazil. Huh. <laughs> Number three is India. <laughs> number four is the United them? Kingdom, oh. and number five is the Philippines. 
Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. <coughs> we're infamous. <laughs> we're infamous on an international level. <laughs> Some of those were a little surprising, but yeah. Um, um, but yeah. So that's that's a little bit about our uh, about our show here. So. It's kind of amazing putting it into perspective like that. That's true. It is. And, and it, it, uh, we, we actually, before I, I do my wrap-ups, if we got a uh, review back on November 26th that I haven't been able to get to until now. Oh, yes. We keep forgetting about Very that. Very sorry it. for that. Uh, uh, Five-star review on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, I should say. Great show is the title. Sean and the Dooch. Are great hosts. They share, they, they share a wonderful passion for the best property ever and are very insightful be, and knowledgeable. This has to be a Potu guy. <laughs> Darn good time. If you like Motu, check these fellas out. F E L L A S. It's from a J D. Witt. Ah, I knew it! <laughs> Sorry, it took me two months almost to get to your review, Jeremy. But thank you very much for uh, for the kudos on uh, Apple Podcasts. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, so. we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for making this channel what it is. Whether you're on the YouTube or on Podbean, Spotify, any of those others, we really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to a great year of content coming up. So. Uh, Sean, where can they find us? They can find us on they can find us on YouTube. Subscribe, ring that bell, and you'll get the notifications every time we post a new uh, video where we go for an hour and a half to two hours talking about Masters of the Universe. You can find us. (laughs) Depends on what mood we're in. Depends on what our schedules are like. Depends on Uh, how long we took off between episodes. Yeah, because all that pent-up geekdom has to go somewhere, right? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Legends of Grayskull Podcast. We have a good little community on there where we like to share all sorts of uh, random news. And I love to share the artwork, uh, especially the Gerard, Gerard Perel stuff. Um, and you can also find us. I, I got to rework uh, Twitter, uh, honestly. Yes. So don't find us on Twitter right yeah. now. But we will get Twitter back up and running at some point here this year. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Oh, 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 no, no, no. Sorry. Email us, logpod85 at gmail.com. That's how Simba's guard does it, and he gets his point across to us. So uh, always happy to reach out there. And you can find Matt and I both on Facebook if you want to just message us individually. So, And until next time, folks. Until next time, guys. Take care. (laughs) Oh, come on.